Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome back to the Jeremy Scott Fitness Podcast or Radio Show. Coming to you on this Sunday, December the 18th, 2022. Hopefully it finds you staying safe and staying sweaty all at the same time. On today's episode, we are talking all things housing, real estate, recession, and everything in between with Ken and Daniil McElroy. 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 I fucking asked before, (laughs) and I still fucked it up. Um, I know these guys for 100 years, too. It's embarrassing. But we used to call Daniel uh, Danielle for probably two years, too. So there's that. Um, Real quick, before we start, you guys, um, again, our 47-day transformation is going to be inside the app here. You guys can check it out now. It's the first premium option we're going to load inside the app. Uh, Again, when you guys want to check it out, jeremyscottfitness.app. It'll be on the very top of the page there. We start January the 9th. Uh, it's the first time we've ever run it inside of the app. It is the cheapest we've ever done it, and it's also the best version of it. 98% of it is brand new if you guys want to check it out. Otherwise, until then, the Jeremy Scott Fitness app is free for a week. So if you guys want to pop in there, get all my weekly workouts, our full programs, and everything in between, you can check that out at jeremyscottfitness.app today. The link is in the show notes to hop on with us. And real quick before we start, You guys already know this episode is brought to you by my homies at Athletic Greens. It's the one thing I take every single day and I never miss. If you're somebody who struggles to eat enough fruits and vegetables, and let's be real, all of us do at times, even myself, this would be the one thing I would take every single day. So if you struggle on your own and you want somebody to kind of cover the gaps in your nutrition, you still have to eat real food, this would be the one thing I would hook up. If you guys want to try it 100% for free, Hit me up. I don't care how you contact us. We will send you a pack in the mail 100% for free to try. See if you like it. And then you can get hooked up with a year's supply of free vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first order. Now, mind you, it's greens. It doesn't taste like a milkshake, but we've all taken worse shots at the bar. So I think you guys will be okay. And at least this is good for you. And that stuff made you feel like shit. So with that said, if you guys want to check it out now, athleticgreens.com slash Jeremy Scott. The link is in the show notes or hit us up for a free sample and we will get rocking and rolling from there. All right. Welcome, guys. Thanks Thank for having you. us yeah, on. This could be fun. Yeah. So if you want to go, um, I don't know, origin story, what you guys do, how long you've been doing it, you can break it down however you want. You can play off each other. Um, we'll get into all of it just so these guys have some backstory that you're just not two random people we pulled off the street here. Sure, sure. Well, I'll start. Um, yeah, so I. Um, it's funny. I, I got uh, lucky. I had an athletic uh, scholarship for wrestling and when I was in college, I needed to, uh, you know, rent, right? You know, because I was racking up student debt and all that. And I ended up uh, managing a 60-unit a, a apartment there as a property manager. And that's actually when I really started to learn about real estate is, uh, you know, collecting rent, cleaning units and all that. So one day after about a year, the owner comes in and he's like, hey, thanks, man. Like you really like increased our income and you're managing our expenses. And I'm like, I am on the wrong side of the desk. And that was it for me. I literally, I had the light bulb moment and I, and I, got, I started getting my real estate license and I said, how am I going to do this? So I started, my first 10 years was just managing property. And I got to learn how to manage it. And then I did, of course, I didn't know how to buy it at that point. Yeah. But then I put the team together and, and got a bunch of really good mentors and coaches and you know, fast forward, we got 300 people. We own uh, over a little over two billion. We bought over three billion at this point. With a B. Yeah, it's yeah, a big number. Crazy. Yeah, about 10,000 apartments, and we, we're in office buildings and and self storage and, and land development, and all that. And there's obviously a zillion lessons in between, but 
Um, started with one. Started with one deal. Used my own money. Ran out of money. I'm like, fuck. Now I don't know how do I get, how do I get more money. Yeah. So uh, you know all the stuff. You, you know, there's no there there's no manual for this. So you, you know, I, uh, I I started like a lot of people, uh, not knowing anything about anything. And this is all you've ever done then. Yeah. Pretty much. Mm-hmm. You never had another shitty career. No, no. I had one job my whole life, and that was in property management, and that was it. And then I just started my own businesses. Uh, from there, I've. You know, I've, I've had a lot of companies over the over the years, bought and sold them and merged them and whatever. So now we have uh, at least uh, over 100 LLCs right now, I think, something like that. And No so, shit. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's it's pretty fun, actually. I'm having a blast. I mean, I guess, like, because if I have, like, four and I have, like, five people we work with and you got 300, the math, <laughs> math kind of works out. Yeah. yeah. That's crazy. And how about you? Yeah, so um, I'm a smaller landlord. I own four units. And when I met Jeremy, I was a runner when I came here to start working out at the gym, right? Um, And you drove a great car, too. Yeah, I I had my uh, 2006 Honda for a long time. (laughs) And uh, anyway, so I basically bought a condo to live in. And then, um, then I met Ken, who's now my husband. And he was let, and I was looking for a small house because I was going to sell my condo and buy a small house. You know, that's kind of the natural project, you know, trajectory. And uh, he said, why would you sell your, you know, why sell the condo? Just buy the house and rent the condo. And I said, no, 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 no. (laughs) I don't want to be a landlord. You know, that's bad. That's going to be a pain in my butt. I just want to buy a house. And he said, no, I mean, you need to look at, you know, what rent you could get and it might cover your mortgage. So... I ended up buying my my house and running my condo, and my renters paid probably 75 or 80% of my mortgage on my house. Pretty sweet, yeah. Yeah, and that's kind of when it clicked for me. Like, this is kind of nice, right? And, like, wasn't as hard as I thought. And Obviously, I was able to lean on Ken on Landlording 101. And, uh, yeah, now I have four. So I have four uh, rental properties, and I like being a landlord. And you do – is it all condos? Nope, I have two condos and two small houses. What's is the house a bigger pain in the ass or no? No, you have bigger expenses that can happen with like the roofs and you know things like the yard, the maintenance stuff like that. If an AC unit takes a shit, yeah. Yeah, yeah. but they're easier to rent because small houses are not built anymore, so they're easier to rent. They rent for more money, and truthfully, eventually I might sell my condos and turn them into two more small houses. But the condos are a good place to start. Because they handle all the big stuff. So it's kind of like a good landlording 101 as long as the HOA fee is not too high. Because I figure like there's less overall, I mean, less things go wrong. Yeah, like the big things, right? Like they kind of take care of everything, but like the AC and the water heater are like two things that could be a big deal. But like they take care of like the yard maintenance and there's no roof stuff. Um, So that's kind of nice. Yeah. So that's your guys' backstory. Um, If we just go right into it, like... Uh, like what the hell happened from like 2020 till till yeah. now? Well, yeah. So there's um, you know, I've been through a couple real hard crashes and some, you know, some spikes too. So, so I think what's important for people to understand is that um, when 08 hit, which I was investing then, you, you know, what what happened was after that five six years after that, there was no real supply added. <clears throat> so in other words, <clears throat> you know, banks weren't lending. People weren't building. So so people were retracting from the real estate market. And this is an important piece because for the 10 years prior to 2020, um, there was not a lot of supply. 
So, and that, um, and that's a really important issue because now the population grew. And so it's just simple math, right? More people, less product. So we've had this crazy run and it's been, it's been a, a few things. One lack of supply, but also then the fed pump, you know, they, they put the low interest rates out. So you have lack of supply, low interest rates. So everybody th thought this, this last run, you know, look how smart I am, right? You know, cause next year is going to be better than last year. Well, luckily I've been through a couple other corrections and, and kind of saw this, you know, and so it's, but a lot of the, a lot of the people that are just entering the market right now, they've never seen this, you know, they've never seen anything but, but up. So it's going to be an interesting uh, couple of years ahead. Yeah. Cause like, I remember I bought my first place 2009, I think. And I tell the story on here a lot, like all the places I looked at were, they're trashed. Yep. Like people had ripped out cabinets or they had taken like doorknobs off, like anything mm -hmm. they could salvage, they would steal. And basically I bought a place, you know, four times less than the guy before me who bought it, who he bought it at the peak, had a foreclose on it. And everything I looked at was basically like a foreclosure or a short sale, which this is different now, but it's also like some things feel similar in certain ways. Like if you, I guess what I'm saying, did you see this coming before like 2020 because like, the jump in home price went from like double or triple in some markets like within yeah. like two years i missed it a couple of years i i thought it was going to happen sooner no shit. So, yeah yeah i thought that 2020 was going to be the peak but what happened was the fed lowered the rates and then they it gave everybody a bunch of stimulus money right and and so that just added to the asset bubbles not just bubble not just real estate everything you know, and then that's that's kind of what we've just gone through. And I mean, the rates have been historically like low for a good amount of time. Yep. But I had never. I mean, I remember like when my like when my mom bought a house, probably like 1990, whatever. And it was like I got the rate for five percent and it was like a fucking parade. Yeah. Like she had never it was like insanely low. But like before that, I mean, people are paying I remember my dad, like the first house he got was probably like 10 percent. But again, the prices were different. Were so small. But if I think back, like when the pandemic kind of starts and everything's going on, I looked at Heather and I'm like, this just doesn't make sense to me. Like, like money wise, like this is not adding up. And when I look at when these guys would say, Hey, the inflation is transitory. That was like a year ago, you know, or two years ago. And clearly it's not. And now it's kind of run out of control. So like people who are like listening, like when you saw that, that happening, like, Hey, if inflation is really, I mean, what do they say? 9% was the peak. Yep. Is that real though? Like, no, I think it was more. Like way more. Yeah, yeah. way more. Like, I, know, I know my groceries seem to have went up about double yeah. since it started. So that's my question. If because there's a formula, they it's some gorilla math they yeah. put together to figure it <laughs> out, right? <laughs> so if you were to guess, like, so you've done this forever, like, how? I mean, what would you think it really is? If you, if you on average? Well, there's a inflation uh, stats, shadow stats. There's a bunch of you know uh, uh, websites that actually do this, and it's in the it's in the teens. I think most people believe. It's in the double digits for sure. Like that's most people I get on here and talk to you like finance guys, they would guess like probably like you have 15% yep. or something. So I guess that brings me to if the goal is to get it down to 2%. Yeah. And if it's like, yeah, like 15, like how is that even like a possible thing? Well, that's why I, as you know, predicted, you know, these, these very aggressive uh, Fed funds increases because we were at 9-1, at least that's what they were reporting, what, and we all kind of knew that it was higher. So I was like, this is it. Like, the Fed is going to start 
you know, also don't forget rent and housing is part of the inflation number. So they're, you know, because it's a big part, they're going to tamper it down because that they can, they can really move the needle by, by uh, adjusting those two things. And like you think the rates, cause you predicted, I mean, cause I looked on, first of all, Ken's YouTube is great. And these guys have an awesome YouTube uh, channel. Uh, you guys should check it out if you care about any of these things we're talking about, which if you own a home or you want to buy a home, like it's a good spot to be in. But you predicted all the rate increases actually perfectly um, up till now, which is kind of creepy. Um, like I get like I knew they're going to raise the rates, but like you're actually down to the, the basis point. Like what do you think as you go into 2023? Like what is if you had a guess, like what does that look like? So I have done this. Uh, I, I believe that I don't think that we're going to see under 4% by the end of the year. So For I, inflation? I don't know. I think that they're going to move the needle, though, and, and you know, because rent and real estate is, is almost a quarter behind. So, you know, uh, we're starting to see rents soften. We're starting to see uh, less rent growth than we saw in the last few years. So that'll all be calculated into the CPI moving forward. But it's not going to come close to what the Fed wants. So I think we're going to see a series of 50% basis points and 25% basis points. And don't forget, like we're only at four and a quarter right now on the Fed funds rate. We were at five and a quarter right in 2007. Yeah. So right before the bubble popped then, which I was investing then, we were all full point even higher. Like, and then back then, if we go back to the 07 kind of 08 shit show, did you did you did anybody see that coming? I mean, other than like the I well, mean like the big yeah. short. Like it was different. Yeah. So I actually so I was doing deals with Lehman and oh uh, no shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was we were I was Bro. in their boardroom. Like it was like uh, it was surreal actually. And, and I have all kinds of great stories. But um, when it was melting down. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, I wasn't in their boardroom on the day it melted <laughs> yeah. down, but I was in their boardroom not uh, soon before. Yeah. So um, you know, so what what, what happened was. You know the real the rental market is is, is counter cyclical to the residential market. So, home builders and realtors go after renters. That's their customer, right? So, you know they're trying to pull our renters into homes, and that's kind of the natural. That is just the way it is. So, so what was happening is, we, I would deny a, a renter. You know, say, hey, shit, you got crappy credit. There's no way you can rent here, and then they would go buy a house. So I was like, okay, something's up here, right? You know, because we're running credit too. You know, they can't. Oh, that was like those like ninja loans, yep. basically. Yeah. Well, they could fog a mirror and get a loan. It was anything. It was crazy. So I was like, something's, this is not going to, uh, you know, this has got to come to an end because these people, they can't, they have horrible credit. They can't even rent a $2,000 uh, a month place. And uh, they were buying houses. And so. Jesus. <laughs> so I knew, like, you know, I was seeing it early on, and it's funny. I was actually having this conversation with, like, Robert Kiyosaki, you know. He, oh, who, yeah. Rich Dead Rich Porter. Dead He's like, what are you seeing? I go, dude, I, I don't I, – I, this is not going to – something's going to pop here. And, and, you know, I don't really study the, the residential single-family market as much because I'm in the, on, more on the landlord side. Obviously, they, but they, they, you know, they poach – renters and that that's that's okay that's just the way it is right so yeah so that all started started to, to stop and then you start to see these people um those loans popped right and all of a sudden the housing prices dropped and so then their loans were more, more than their home by the way that's already happened in 2022 there's 300,000 people where their 
their loans are more than their home are worth right now. And it's not a problem unless they have to do Correct. something. That's right. If they can't pay it. Yeah. Or if like they have to move Correct. and they're going to take a yes. bath on it. Which, they have to write a check. And people say that too. Like, well, you know, if people got into a home, here's the rate it's locked. I go, yeah, but life happens. Like not to be morbid, but like somebody dies, you get a job change. Things want like our neighbors across the street had to move. Like I'm sure they didn't want to, but now their house is for sale. And if they would have sold it like our other friends a year before, they would have made a shit ton more money if they, I guess, could buy a place that was cheaper and it didn't cost them more. But yeah, that's, that's not good. No. Well, and people, you know, instead of writing a check, you know, some people foreclose, right? Because they, they, don't, they don't have the money to write a check depending on how much less it is and, or they don't, you know, yeah, want to owe it. Because the difference can be dramatic at times. Mm-hmm. Like if you bought a house and now it's worth $200,000 less, the average person's not. The, the, other, the, the flip side of that, the good thing is, is that they might have a 3 or 4% fixed rate loan. Which is an asset right now, believe it or not. So, oh, you for know, sure. So, so you know what they should do is co- just figure out how to cover it, right? Uh, so, if they have to move or something, just find a renter, cover the expenses, and then ride this out. But to your point, if they have, if they need the equity or something like that, then then uh, you know. And I I, I see it uh, uh, next year. I see real estate values going down again, like uh, resident everything. Yeah. Because what do you guys do? It's like multifamily and yeah. commercial shit? Yeah, both. So, yeah, mostly land development, uh, condos, um, you know, self-storage, office, and mostly apartments. And what you do it everywhere or is it just here? Texas, uh, Oklahoma, Arizona primarily. And, like, I'm just curious, like, why? Because those are all high growth markets. So, you know, like, I always tell people, like, real estate exists for people. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Period. Yeah. <laughs> no people you know, it doesn't do well. Like retail doesn't do well, office, uh, none of that shit works. So so you have to go, you know, you have to follow the migration patterns. That's it. So we start there. Then we work down to the school, like the school districts and stuff like that. Where do people want to be? Like in like in Dallas, Plano, Frisco, Carrollton, you know, North Dallas. So, you know, you just study that. And it's also worth noting, you know, for those people listening that are considering getting a rental, you know, you can get outside of the city centers for cheaper, but you always want to remember it's going to be harder to rent. So like you want to buy where people want to live, even if it costs you more, because it's, you know, if like say you're in Phoenix and you get a place in Surprise, that's going to be harder to rent than a place in Scottsdale. So even if it costs you more, you have to really focus on that. Well, I mean, like we see it in our neighborhood. I mean, like the fact that someone would pay me the amount of money they think my house is worth. Like, I don't think it's worth that because I live there, but I don't go to old town because I'm an old man. Like, that's not <laughs> what I do anymore. But they, it's like, a, it's become a thing where like, hey, some guy buys a place, they make it super nice. It's Airbnb. All I see there is like bachelorette parties and, and bachelorette going nonstop. I go, but mm-hmm. we're so close to everything where that works in a Scottsdale or Nashville or Austin, but probably not in Pine, Arizona. Well, right. And we've even known people that bought an Airbnb in Phoenix and maybe it's not that nice of an area. It's not really around anything and they think they're going to kill it. And then they have a hard time filling it because if you're, you know, with Airbnb market, if you're coming somewhere to go on vacation, you don't want to be 25 minutes from old town where you want to go out. Right. Or, you know, so you really have to keep those things in mind. It's, it's all about how much it cash flows and it's all about the vacancy. And, I, and also, I think Airbnb is the next target. You're going to see a lot of these people bought these houses like you were talking about. Yeah. And the fundamentals, the math, is all based on Airbnb model. And so 
if that's fucked and they and they'll say because it's drying up right now um if it doesn't work as a rental you're going to start to see that that's one of the big big issues i think is going to show up in 2023 yeah the airbnb market you know when people don't have disposable income they still need to rent somewhere to live but they don't need to come to phoenix or go to nashville and go on a big vacation right yeah and the other problem we're seeing with airbnb is anybody can turn their place into an airbnb so you know when people's money is getting tight and they're like well i could go stay with my mom or i could go stay with my friend while i run out my place you have all this additional supply coming to the market for airbnb of people kind of freelancing it and doing it part of the time. And so that's really cutting into the Airbnb rates. And as Ken's point, we're not against Airbnb. We're against basing your cash flow on Airbnb. So we know a guy uh, in Washington and he has about 10 units. And he was Airbnbs and they were killing it. Right. And they were cash flowing each about, you know, four or $5,000 a month. Well, on a long-term rental, they only cash flow about two grand a month. Well, the problem is they're sitting empty now because there's not enough demand that's going and going on vacation, but he can't turn them in based on the price that he paid. He can't turn them into long-term rentals because he needs them to make three or four grand a month to break even. Right. So you'd be underwater real quick. He is underwater. Whoa. And there's a lot of people that, you know, let's just say they bought whatever their, their break even, which is their expenses plus their mortgage is seven, eight, nine grand a month. A lot of people like think about that. Like even the house we were talking about before this, you know, your the, the mortgage is five, your operating expenses are another two or three. Oh my God. I mean, you, you, you know, you have to, you have to make eight, nine, 10 grand a month just to cash flow. So that's what's coming next. But they were when they were doing Airbnbs because yeah. they were just booked. They were doing like 15 grand a month and, you know, Scottsdale and doing bachelorette parties and doing oh, yeah. all that. But then when it dries up and they're like, oh, no, we can't rent this. They can't turn it into a long term rental. And that's the problem. They can't turn it into the long term rental. And like how long do a lot of those people make it without the rental income? Not long. You know, they're already starting to panic. You know, we have people that email us. We have people on our show. You know, you quickly get underwater. Um you know, in these markets and the Airbnb market just started turning probably this fall. And then now, you know, when you talk to Airbnb people, like they're worried about the spring. Right? All over. By the way, this is Florida, California, Texas. This is Arizona. You know, yeah. Cause we're, we're, you know, we got national people on our, on our uh, podcast. Yeah. Well, and the other thing too is <clears throat> the traveling nurse business, right? A lot of people base their whole entire, you know, Model. Airbnb model on this traveling nurse business. Well, now the hospitals aren't getting that COVID money. Traveling nurses are now taking long-term contracts. So you have that all slowing down as well. And the cities are stepping in. So Scottsdale now has licensing. <laughs> and they're also saying that uh, you can't, um, well, you can only have one, right? And, and it, Not in Scottsdale, but like Atlanta, you can only yeah. have one, some parts of California. So they're, the cities are targeting the Airbnbs because they're affecting affordable housing. Because there's so many people that are like, why would I rent out my condo for, you know, $2,000 a month when I could Airbnb and make four? That's, well, yeah. you, well, I guess, like, especially here, too, when the Super Bowl comes here and, like, the Open comes here, then it'll be a, I mean, you can yep. charge a pre, yeah. but again, it's one, it's a one-time it's thing. A it's a one-time deal, and, you know, and it's a lot of work to run those Airbnbs. It's a lot of cost to run the Airbnbs because you're constantly cleaning and you're constantly flipping, and, you know, it's. Well, that's what I was in. Like, we have a neighbor. She's a partner in a law firm. She doesn't live here, but she has a place probably two blocks from us. And it's it has, like, a name on Instagram. It's only girls stay there for the bachelorette parties. And it looks super, you know, cute, as my wife would say. But 
she has like a million horror stories because it's like all the shit that goes wrong. And like, again, you're getting knuckleheads who are come stand there. And I think about my house, like it's built in 1959. How much shit would break on me consistently if I had a bunch of dudes? Everything. Like, like who, if it was me at 22, I'm a dipshit. Like right. I'm doing all kinds. You're I'm breaking t- stuff. Yeah, it's here, not yeah. my house. Yeah. And, and I get like, you know, there's a deposit in this, but it would just seems like a big headache. If I couldn't, I guess if I had to do that to pay for it, I would panic. But somebody like her, though, might have bought their house a long time ago. So if you bought the home for, you know, 400 grand, you're probably killing it on Airbnb and you can turn it into the long term rental if you need to. It's the people that bought in the last couple years at these Airbnb prices and in houses without an HOA in at least in the Phoenix area, we're selling for a premium because there was no restriction on the Airbnb, right? Yeah. So those houses would be a lot more expensive than the normal house because people knew, you know, we're looking for an Airbnb person that's going to pay the premium price for it. So basically the key is if you're going to do it, make sure if the world eats shit, you can pay for it. Yep. And as a long-term rental, essentially. Yes. Or you have enough cash, I guess, to cover. You don't want to feed it, though. Yeah. You, you don't want to feed it. Like, that's our whole thing. You know, what, what we talk about on our show, it's all about cash flow. And people will say, like, hey, I'm going to do this deal, and I got to kind of feed it. But, it, you know, I'm going to bank that the rents are going to go up. And we're like, don't ever buy something like that. It needs to cash flow from day one for it to be a good investment. Now, this is a, the number one issue most people fuck up with. So you have a capital gain or a cash flow strategy. So everybody buys something for 500 wants to sell it at 600. That's a gambling, a bit of a capital gain strategy. You, you know, you can't predict that. Yeah. But if you always have that fundamental cash flow issue, it doesn't really matter. Then if it goes to 600, great, you can exit still. But if it doesn't, if it goes to 400, now you're still cash flowing. That makes sense. Yeah. So like that's kind of the advice to people because I think pe- some people who are listening or a- anybody actually thinks. Well, I'm going to get, a, get an Airbnb and just crush. And yep. I'm sure some people do, but it's still a job. It's a job and it's risky if it's not going to cash flow another way because you can find yourself, you know, in a big bind. Yeah, because my old man bought a place like down in Casa Grande. He's old. So he's actually never been there. Um, <laughs> I did the whole transaction, everything with him. Um, but it was like, oh God, what did he pay? And I thought it was a ripoff too. Oh my God, it's going to be hilarious. I think it was like a hundred and like 40,000 bucks or something and paid off the whole thing. Now it's <clears throat> probably worth like double that, but he's had like a retired teacher like living there the whole time. And so she pays way more than like the taxes and insurance are. So to, to, for him, it's the best probably investment he's ever made because he just makes money over and over. And if somebody's not there, it probably costs him 300 bucks a month just to keep it alive. So that's what we did. We, we, were, we were targeting homes in Scottsdale at the 500 price point. Oh no shit! Yeah, because they rent for three, four hundred or three, four grand a month. Yeah. So those are you know, and and you know, if you think about it, uh, you know, uh, real estate is hedges inflation. You know, the components of real estate, the the roof, the fucking framing, the concrete, all that's going up. So, so your inflation helps, um, you know, an asset like real estate. So you know, so we started doing that as long as it's covered, and um, you know, was, that's been our strategy. Well, and I think the biggest thing to to teach people is, you know, a lot of people try to invest for capital gains, right? Like I'm going to buy this place for 400 grand and I'm going to sell it for 500 grand. Like that's what I'm going to do. And so they take a loss on the cash flow. Like it doesn't matter if I'm feeding it 300 bucks a month because I'm going to sell it for a hundred grand in a year or whatever. A flipper. And that's worked for a long time, right? So like I understand why people think that like from 2010 till now, home values have just like went up, you know, and a lot in the last two years. 
But that's a bad strategy because now you're gambling. So now what if it goes down? Now you're feeding a property. It's worth less than what you bought it for. And it's just a pain in the ass. And now you're just holding it and you're feeding it. And, you know, it's not a good investment, right? So that was 08, by the way. That's what happened in 08. Yeah. So the goal we always tell people is like if it cash flows, it doesn't matter. You know, like people will say to like Ken, like, oh, you know, you must be like, you know, prices are going down. You must really care. Da, da, da. He's like, no, rents are still going up or, you know, remaining, you know, the same. And I'm still cash flowing. So I don't give a shit that prices are going down. He doesn't even really look at what his assets are worth because he doesn't plan on selling them. And I don't plan on selling mine either. So and I think that's a big point. You know, so I don't care how much equity I have. Like I do, but it's it doesn't it's not meaningful unless you sell. It's not, re, it's it's not, not real, real like in real time. It's fake. Yeah. So, so I bought a property in 05, and this was a huge lesson. It's 230 units, and um, it cash flowed. The value went down. Austin popped, and 05, 06, 07, 08 was horrible for, you know, my space. And, um, you know, but then the, when, the, when, the, when everything popped, people started moving back into rentals, and then, you know, we had a nice all run. But what, what saved my ass was my renters. They, you know, as long as I just kept the thing full, you know, it covered all the expenses and the value was down and, uh, you know, we just wrote it through. And then that property eventually ends up being more yeah. until you're fine. Yeah. Which is, and <coughs> I, you know, the long term, it's better uh, on a long term basis, like, like your gym here, you know, most people don't get to experience depreciation and bonus depreciation and, you know, cost segregation. And for people that don't know what those are. They're non-operational expenses that you can write off against real income. Yeah. And so, you know, I have, you know, I can't even tell you, I haven't paid tax for at least 12 plus years. And because and you have so much, but your your level is so high, right? Yeah, but you're but, you're, but, you're the rich guy who but, now gets to do the rich people shit. But people that were in crypto or you know this you know in high commission jobs or whatever, they're trying to get into real estate to you know to try to uh, offset some of that ordinary income. Oh yeah, and and I think the the point is is that real estate is a long game. So when we when we bought that property in Austin, um, I still went to my investors and I said, listen, you know, guys, like. Clearly, we, we did not time this well, but we're going to cash flow and, it, and um, you know, we'll be fine. You know, we just need to play the long game. And they were all fine with it because, you know, I, 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 I'm, I can't remember exactly what we paid, but it was definitely worth less a year later, the property. But even somebody like me who only has four rentals, right? I'm more small time. And I save a lot in taxes just from, you know, I don't pay very much in tax on the money that I make for my rentals because they basically take what you bought the property for and you get depreciation every year for, I think it's 27 years or something. And so that is offset against your income. So. No, the benefits are, because like I used to, I've told this story in here before, like obviously like I rent from myself, yeah. which is a thing. Um, and so when I'm on the phone, it's like our CPA and our financial advisor. And he's like, no, you're going to create an LLC that's named whatever. I think we named it the street name plus JSF or some shit. And like, that's who owns this. And then Jeremy Scott Fitness will rent from this. And I go, this sounds like a Ponzi scheme, bro. Like this sounds like a thing. <laughs> no, you charge base rent here. Here's your profit here. I'm like, this does not add up to me. He goes, and this is what people do. And like, that was what, six years ago. That's when it clicked to me. I'm like, okay. Yeah, now I can see like when people say like, okay, I don't pay as much in tax because this. It's like when you have an infrastructure built, you're just playing by the rules that are kind of set out. Yeah, you, if you look at some of the early Ray Kroc who started McDonald's, you look at some of his interviews, he says, I'm not in the hamburger business. I'm in the real estate business. He's yeah. like, a business should pay for your real estate. And so 
the real wealth was obviously the brand's huge and it's worth a lot. But at the end of the day, the real wealth was the businesses paid off most the most amazing corners. Yeah. And that's it. You know, that's that's the model. Your business should pay for your real estate. And when the prices go down for people, if you're not going to move, you basically look at it like you look at the stock market. Yep. Like, oh, you know, my Apple stock went down. I'm like, well, if you didn't sell it, like nothing really happened. Right. But yeah, people will panic when they look at Zillow or Realtor.com or whatever. Well, and that's what you're going to start seeing in the market. And you're already starting to see it, right? Like houses aren't really moving. Actually, our realtor told us that it's slower for her now than it was in 08. So, you know, there's literally no business. Like there's hardly anybody buying. And everyone's kind of sitting on the corner. Well, now you're getting people that are freaking out because they're watching their equity dissipate. And they're like, I got to sell my house. I got to sell my house, which just brings more inventory and lower prices to the market. And so that's what we're telling people right now. Like if you're going to be a first time home buyer, like just wait, like don't buy a home to live in right now. And if you're going to buy an investment, only buy it if it's cash flowing right now, because you're going to start to see a correction come to the market. And I'll ask this too, because I'm going to get lost everywhere. The QE stuff, like the printing of money and everything, like how, how much of that is a cause of this and what's going to happen. A lot, yeah. So first of all, I don't really care. And this is the truth. Who's in office? It makes no difference to me at all. You're going to win either way. Well, because <laughs> all you got to do is just follow whatever policies that they, you know, put in. So like Biden right now is really going into the ESG and energy and, you know, fine. So, okay. So now we're over there. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. so, well, you're putting like, um, you know, car chargers yeah, and stuff like, at your properties. You know, solar, for... like, okay, great. So you get tax credits. So, so it doesn't matter. And so, so, um, so when they start printing money, there's a couple things. One, it, it squeezes, uh, you know, it makes all our stuff worth more And it's, you know, it's not good for savers. Right. And that's the big issue. And like the people uh, like fixed income. Yeah. Like if you yeah. can't make more money. Yeah. What are you going to do? Right. So, yeah. So that that's the part like my mom, you know, who was on a fixed income. Yeah. Or, uh, you know, it's horrible. Right. Because. You know, now I, obviously it's my mom's, but I'm supplementing. We her. get we get shit on the show all the time. Like Ken, why don't you help your mom? Blah blah. And we're like, no, no, we we do help Ken's mom. Yeah. It's just we talk about no, people like but it's, her. It's a fair question, you know. And so so the, what people don't realize is that when Nixon, um, you know, took the dollar off the gold standard in '71, uh, it was tied to gold before that. And then now, you know, the the reason why the rest of the world is pissed at us is because oil and everything is traded in U.S. dollars. And we can basically print as many as we want. So we can devalue our currency or make it stronger, make it weaker. Yeah. So it's it's really uh, an interesting time. But I think our biggest thing, you know, that we, you know, if you have people listening that they don't own anything, right? Like real estate moves with inflation. So your number one goal should to be stop being a tenant because rent also moves with inflation. So rents are going to go up when inflation, you know, it continues to go up. Where if you can get yourself in fixed rate debt, you're going to win against the inflation battle. And so that's the biggest thing for people. Like you're never going to have that financial freedom if you're a renter. So if we, and I'm going to get to all the rent shit too, the, your prediction like recession, like what is, what is it for next year? Yeah. Well, like, I don't, how does this land and not be a complete dumpster fire? So, so I, I, if this is a nine inning game, I believe we're in the second or third inning. So all that's happened is we've, we've been outscored in the first couple innings. That's yeah. it. And so now we're like, shit, you know, now what? Right. And so I think it, I don't think anything showed up yet. 
personally. I, I we haven't seen really defaults or bankruptcies or layoffs. You know, I think next year is going to be a shit show. And like, and why is that? Just because it hasn't kind of it hasn't we haven't gotten there yet. Well, we had the election, and then you have you know this you know kind of the year end stuff, and I think people uh, well we're already starting to see. Uh, layoffs and and people are getting squeezed financially, both in the corporate level and at the uh, you know I call it Main Street and Wall Street both. Yeah, like, it's not good. Plus, you talk about lag a lot, right? Like everyone wants things to happen right away, but there's a lot of lag in between what the Fed decides and then how it affects business and how it affects home prices. It doesn't happen right away. So yeah, what I mean by that is is um, you know, like as the Fed raised rates, let's say let's say they're in the six range or five, six, seven percent range. You know, they were three a year ago, let's yeah. say. So that affects car sales, that affects boat sales, that affects real estate sales, that affects anything that's finance because the, the cost of money has gone up. So that slows everything down, which is what the Fed wants because that's, the, you know, inflation's going to slow down. It's like the only tool they have, yep. really. Yep. And so that's what's happening now, but it's still 7.1. Like that's, the, that's what's crazy in, in June. It was nine one, in December it's seven one. So it's, it's, we've had six rate increases in uh, in six months, and it's only gone down two percent. And their goal is to be at two percent. Yeah. Now, for you've been doing this a long time. For people listening, I don't want to get super depressing, but we're going there. How the hell do they get from seven to two percent inflation? If we really believe it's seven, which we don't, it's more than that. But how the fuck do you get from here? To there, it seems like drastic. You already raised the rate six times. We're gonna raise it ten more. It's 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 gonna be a correction, and and we haven't really seen one. Like last ten years, people have not been through this, and you know, uh, tough times, you know, make strong men, right? Yeah. I mean, it's it's gonna happen. Right now, everyone's really soft, and they think, oh shit, look how smart I am, and you know, everything's gonna go up next year. It that that game is over. Well, I always say that, too, where people, like, for us, oh, Jeremy, like, how did you do all these things? I'm like, I just got lucky, dude. And I, and I mean that, like, I'm not a dummy, but the timing of my life, yep. like, kind of just worked out where I graduate college and I have, like, $4. And so I can buy my first place. I go, but it was for fucking pennies. Now, if I made the same decision three years before that, I don't know if I could have bought it because the prices were too high, but I could have been the guy who, because again, that was the narrative back then, 07, 08, buy a property, it always goes up, it never goes down, and then, oh shit, here you come, you kind of lose yourself. And then obviously we lived through, basically after that, 10 years of like really good times. But I think the difference between then and now is then you didn't have access, you know, to people that were super smart, right? Like, like you couldn't just watch a YouTube video and be like, what is Ken McElroy or what is, you know, um, oh, no. No Peter podcast. Schiff, right? No. Like, like you kind of were just like, let me pull out my encyclopedia <laughs> and see what it says <laughs> about real estate investing, you know? So now uh, it's a little different, right? So that's why people, before you go make these decisions, you need to listen to multiple people and really understand, like really be educated on what you're doing well and i look at it too like this whole the scenario you're in right now like if you're going like recession and you have like this crazy inflation you have massive layoffs and then people have the highest credit card debt of all time the lowest savings rate like you kind of have this perfect shit show to mm -hmm. kind of take off yep but then i guess if i asked the other question like has housing ever been like more unaffordable than it is today for like a normal person so that's the difference between 08 uh, so that's the interesting thing is um you know, in 
in 08 and 9, 10, 11, I was buying stuff at 40, 50 cents on the dollar. So that could happen again. Like when it, like when it ate shit. Oh, it was awesome. I mean, like that's really when I made most of my money. You don't really learn much at all when things are going well. You learn a lot when, when they're going down. And I, I lost money too. Uh, before obviously in some of these markets o- over the years and that's you know when you're facing that then you learn a lot but what happens is in 08 um, my partner and I went there was nobody in the U.S. doing anything like everybody's frozen the banks were taking water in the boat and so I went to Canada and put a fund together and started buying real estate in Texas at 40 50 cents on the dollar yeah. and the, 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 the you know and I don't want to get too deep on this but the U.S. dollar was low and the Canadian dollar was high, so it was almost equal, which is hasn't happened in a long time. So the Canadians were going, oh, shit, the U.S. is on sale. So that's why I went up there. And then, of course, that changed. But the, the point is, is when those corrections happen and they're starting to happen, it's actually that's what I'm waiting for. And, you know, that's when that is going to be the time. And you can't time it. You know, you got to be careful. You don't want to catch a falling knife either. Yeah. Right. So. So, um, you know, it's it's happening. It's we, we just had an asset bubble and now it's it's popping. And I think people get really worried, like I'm going to miss it. Right. I got to buy now because, you know, pr- the house price just went down fifty thousand dollars. I need to buy this house right now because, you know, somebody else is going to get it. You're not going to miss the correction. It's going to be slow and it's going to be, you know, painful. Right. And so you just got to be patient. And use your head. But when- it doesn't have to be painful. I mean, that's the thing. Like, you know, like who cares? Like I, when I built my house, the one I'm in right now, oh, yeah. you know, it, it went down. Like, you know, but I, it's my house. So, you know, and then it eventually came back up. It didn't matter, right? And, and I fixed my mortgage and whatever. So if, if it's cash flows and, and you're good and you have money to, to cover it all, who cares? Well, people get emotional with, to your point, like with purchases, uh, typically they tend to be the biggest ones, cars and houses. And it's weird because people will spend more time like looking at a fucking restaurant menu and like what they're (laughs) going to eat and then just buy a house because like, well, there's not going to be any more houses. Like we literally just lived through years of where we'd have real estate agents come here and say, yeah, we got 25 people in line waiting to look at this house that's. 800,000 that in my opinion should be fucking 400,000 and yet people are like I'm going to pay 20 over asking 30 over asking and I'm like what the hell is wrong with you and I'm going to waive the inspection and I want to close what in the two days and I'm going to exactly. you know and it was you know it was crazy you know yeah. they were literally and, and those people you know they bought a house and they had huge issues with it because it was the perfect time to sell your house if there was huge issues with it because you could get people to waive inspections right yeah. so then they have all these problems they have to correct and we hyped that up so much that became a thing. And now all of a sudden, I guess I'm, we have like this, you know, I guess what you want to call like recency bias where we just forget like yeah, just a year and a half ago, <laughs> like what the shit you were seeing. And now it's completely different. Well, I believe Ken told me houses normally sit for about 30 to 45 days, right? Well, no, actually a little more. So there's if you look at the history of MLS, the, you know, a uh, healthy market is four to six months. That's healthy. Yeah. If you look at the history. So so when you to your point, you start to get that kind of craze, you know, that's not healthy. Well, people would freak out like my house has been listed for two weeks and I don't have any offers yet. It's I like, know. well, that's normal. <laughs> and we're kind of getting back to more. I guess Well, I'll ask this before this. Like if somebody when would you guess? I mean, nobody can pick the bottom, but like how far away is that? 
I think it's two years. No shit. Yeah. God, my wife's going to hate to hear that. I know. She's going to just hate. Sorry. but <laughs> I really do. Here's why. I don't. I don't mind. I, I'm patient no, as hell. Dude. I, I am too. Like, yeah. uh, um, so, you know, we haven't really seen much. Then the Fed, the Fed could, you know, we could see rates eight plus nine percent. We're not. That, that's not that far fetched. Like no, because I heard. Um, you know who? What is his name? Um, was it Patrick Bet David? Or, yeah, that dude's fucking great. Yeah, uh, he's, he's awesome. like he's like when he goes polarizing too. Yeah, but he's like ten, ten percent. I'm like, it's possible. That's trippy. Dude. I mean, I just say it because the prices were so like in outer space. If you told me, hey, a house is like we're in Nebraska, your house is forty grand. Well, who gives a shit if it's ten percent or fifteen percent? Doesn't matter. But if it's like hundreds of thousands, yeah. So you think it get that high? Mm-hmm. I do, and, and here's what people need to know: when the Fed's doing this on purpose, they're trying to tamper inflation, right? Because inflation kills everyone. Yeah, and and that's a big deal. Like if if people can't fill up, and you know the food costs and all that kind of stuff, or uh, you know that's that's what they're focusing on. They don't give a shit about the real estate industry, you no. know. Well, and I've noticed it here too, because obviously this is Scottsdale. It, our clientele is different here than you know probably where most of us grew up. Uh, so, but I can hear them now saying it. Things that, they're luxury problems for sure, but hey, maybe I'm not going to go to, you know, fucking Mastro's three <laughs> times this week, you know, and do stupid shit. Or like they're complaining when like their Mercedes has a flat tire because it's a thousand bucks. But you start to hear it in people where I would never hear it before. And so I imagine what it is for the guy who's like in Buckeye making 70 grand driving 30 miles a day to work. Like it's it's becoming a real thing. So that, that happened to us. You know, we have... Um, we have people that drive 30, 40 minutes, and all of a sudden, it was $500 more a month in gas. That's crazy. Oh, So that's significant to somebody, you yeah. know. And so so we had to make all kinds of adjustments and all that. So that's why inflation is, is really, really hurting what I call Main Street. You know, my renters, as an example, um, they're getting squeezed. It's not good. We, you know, it isn't good at all. And we're starting to see, you know, in the rental market, people bunk up, right? So, like, I just showed uh, my two-bedroom, two-bath condo, and I had, you know, a lady going through a divorce who's renting with another lady and her 15-year-old daughter all in one two-bedroom unit, right? No or, shit. Yeah, yep. and I had another people look at it, a couple, and then their sister, right? Because they're trying to share this rent cost because people have to, you know, people always say to us, like, you know, eventually these rents are going to get so expensive, people just can't afford it. That's, you know, but the truth is, is people have to live somewhere. So they figure out ways to afford it. You know, whether that means that they're going to bunk up with somebody or get a second job, like they have to pay their rent and they have to make it affordable for them. Well, because we're, we're, we're right. Go live with your parents. I mean, you know. Yeah. Well, I did read the thing where it said this is the biggest like percentage of kids living with their parents mm-hmm. of all time. But then they're spending money on like bullshit, like I don't right. know. The they don't, yeah, they don't have any financial skills. They don't know any better. That's crazy. Yeah. But even with my, you know, tenants, right? Where is your place? Is Phoenix, Scottsdale? Scottsdale. Yeah. We're all in Scottsdale. And so, you know, normally they live in my places one or two years and they go buy a house. That was kind of the trajectory, right? It would be like a couple, you know, they're about 25 to 28 and then they go buy a house. Now, ever since the pandemic started, they've all just been there, right? They're not buying a house. They're not they're not doing that. I had one couple buy a house, but they had to go buy it in Michigan because it was cheaper. So you're just not seeing that normal trajectory. So people are getting stuck in the rental market, which is why you, the demand for rentals goes up. And that's why the price goes up. So I'll give you my perspective on that. So there's, um, I did a video on YouTube called the renter nation. 
And I, I think, you know, if you go to Europe, or, you know, tr anybody who's traveled around, you, you can see the you, – all you have to do is see what percentage of people own and what percentage of people rent. Yeah. Like, you know, the rental in New York or San Francisco is higher than ownership, right? But you go to the Midwest, it's, it, it's skewed a little differently. So it, we got up to 68 69% home ownership at one time during the Bush era. And since then, it's been dropping. And so I believe for the first time in the history of the U.S., it's going to get below 60% homeownership. And we, we could be in what would be, it's going to be a very, um, uh, a, a good 10 plus year run of being more in, as a renter nation, which is we're if you go a lot of places, a lot of people rent. And, you know, and so I think we're heading there. In the rest of the world, you know, most places you can only fix your mortgage for three to five years. Right. So every, oh, is that real? Yeah. yeah. Every three to five years, it's going to renew at whatever interest rate Even is Canada. going. Really? Yep. So that's why it's such a blessing here that, you know, you can fix your debt for 30 years. Right. And but that's why in the rest of the world, you have a ton of renters and you don't have very many uh, homeowners. Well, and you guys, it forces you if you're going to do it, you're going to make a much smarter choice. Because in three to five years, you're like, fuck, dude. They yeah. get real from you. You have real to deal fast. with a new rate. Yeah. But, but think about it. Like, you know, you have your house now, you have your mortgage, and then all of a sudden it just went from, you know, a 4% mortgage to like a 8% mortgage, right? And so now that increase, like, it, it's not fixed, you know? So you, it increases just like a rent increase. So that's happening in the UK right now. You start to see these inflation numbers. If anybody really looks at it, it's bad all over. And, um, you know, and, and uh, so it's forcing people into rentals. And that's what's happening now. It's not good. You know, in 08, it happened. Uh, it was pretty clear, you know, the mortgages were higher than the, than the homes. So people defaulted into rentals. And now, um, you know, we're, we're seeing it again. And this is like a global. Yeah. I mean, this is everything. Like yep. This is going to touch everybody. Yeah. The only difference is the U.S. Like, I think we probably have the most homeownership in the world at the right? moment yeah and so now you know we kind of think we're headed into like a renter nation where some of these people will just never own a home and that, well i kept saying that because you you drive around let's say scottsdale and it's anecdotal obviously i don't drive around everywhere and see but you drive let's say north of here and you go past like kirlin and shit dude there is like just towers and towers and towers of condos and they look like just rental apartments. And I'm like, are they building another fucking road like in yep. the middle here somewhere? And if I drive like where we live, it's literally just all of old town It's just, they're building stuff everywhere. And that I'm like, that seems like a lot. But again, if somebody can't own a place, then they're going to have to rent. So you're just like a renter your whole life. Cause if I look at, you know, statistically most people, how they build wealth in their life, it's they, unless they own a business, which most people do not, it's through real estate. Right. There's no other way you're getting rich. Well, and it's not even just the equity, but it's the monthly payment, right? Like yeah. at the end of that 30-year mortgage, one, you're fixed. So you have a fixed rate payment. So and if, then, it's, if it's 2000 bucks, it's 2000 bucks. Right. And 2000 bucks in 10 years from now won't be as bad as 2000 bucks now with all the inflation, right? Yes. So it's really beneficial. So, But if they don't ever have that and you're just at the mercy of your landlord up in the rent and up in the rent, how do you ever retire comfortably? You really don't. There's, no. a, there's a couple solutions, though. You know, one of them is called house hacking. So think of it as buying a duplex, living in one side, and having your tenant pay off, you know, the whole thing. So there are strategies you could do at a low level, and I, I think people are going to have to start taking a look at that. How can you, how can you still do something and, and then have somebody else pay for it? 
Exactly. And, and with your audience, you know, I, I started in real estate when I was probably 29. And I wish I would have started earlier. You know, I just was unaware. I wasn't financially educated. I wasn't educated in investing. But, uh, you know, if you go and buy a four-bedroom house when things start to correct, right, and you have three buddies and they each can rent a room in your place and they can pay your mortgage, like that is the way to go because now you have this home and whether you live in it forever or you just turn it strictly into a rental later, it's better than trying to just pay rent and you know, save for your own place that may be your dream home, right? Because that's going to take a long time to get to. Well, I don't think that's like, that's what I'm saying. Like you can't save to it. It's not going to fucking happen. Like without a property. Correct. Like when I first moved here, 32nd street and bell thought it was nice. (laughs) Then they shot like three people at the gas station the next week. And I'm like, Oh, apparently we're not in Scottsdale here. (laughs) Uh, But I was in the upstairs bedroom and it was like, I'm probably 200 degrees, but I paid like 450 bucks a month, which I'm like, hey, this is great for me. But there was me, another buddy, and another buddy. So we all live there. My buddy could buy his place. The whole world melts down, but he can still live through it because when I moved out, another friend moved in, yep. and so it worked for him. And that's allowed him to buy everything else. But if you can't get into the game, it basically is going to leave you behind. But you have to get into the game. Yeah. So that's what I always tell people. You know, like I know you preach on here a lot about saving money, and you knew I drive my 2006 Honda for like – it was, a pe- it was shittier than mine. It was pretty bad. And I'm a yeah. bad driver, so I yeah. also, like, didn't fix it. So it was, like, pretty dinged up. I remember I, Kenzie in my car, like, oh, wow, okay. <laughs> I do still have mine. Uh, our, na- our neighbor wants to buy it, but I'm like, <laughs> it's, I'm not emotional about things at all, but, like, that's the only thing. So I'm like, this car's made me so much money, man. You got to keep it. I fucking love it. My Heather fucking hates it, though. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. It. Well, Ken hated my car, so I get it. But, but uh, it's like you did that. It served. It was out of necessity. To yeah. do certain things financially so you could be an entrepreneur, so you could buy certain things. Listen, I started to make uh, you know, more money, right? With I had a business and as time went on. But I lived in my shitty, you know, one bedroom condo down on, you know, Thomas or whatever. And, you know, domestic violence calls, like you name it. You know, I had we had a guy that would walk around with no pants on to take out his uh trash like, like once it. a day. Like yeah. just, you know, like what but they were only charging me 650 a month and it was a private landlord and it was undervalued and I knew it but I was a good tenant and there's cockroaches like the whole nine right but I was like I'm saving every dime I have to get a condo my own condo right and so I saved every dime and I basically bought my condo with almost all cash right just about but that condo is what elevated me to be able to buy more rentals right because without that condo I couldn't have went and just bought that house, to your point. I only was able to do that because I had this rental income coming in from my condo that I could then put towards my house and then my house to my next property. And you know what I mean? And yeah. and the only difference is I didn't sell them along the way. Because if I wouldn't have met Ken, I would have just sold them, rolled the money over, sold them, run the, rolled the money over. But all that would have got me is a really nice fucking house with no cash flow that I could live in, right? And that would have not done what these four rentals have done for me because now I just about could just live on that passive income. And that's like, and you were willing to be like, okay, I'm willing to understand this is, and this is a, an important part for people to listen. It was going to be a business. I'm going to have rental properties. This is going to be part of like what I do. It's not just, Hey, fucking set it and forget it. Like you were a business minded person where some people think like, well, I'll just get three rentals and fuck it. It'll just send me money. I'm like, it will, but no, it's a business. I mean, yeah. it's worth the money. It's not that hard, yeah. but you know, you have issues, but, but I want to focus on when I first got the condo, there was no business plan. The only business plan with the condo was I don't want to have a housing payment. I want to live here for the rest of my life and just like 
not have a housing payment, yeah. you know? And so that was the initial goal. And I remember friends were driving like Mercedes and BMWs and they made less money than me. And here I am in my shitty Honda and they would make comments. It was almost a running joke. Like, when are you going to get rid of that car? When are you, you oh, know, dude. when are you going to do this? But I just knew my goal. Like I knew my goal. My goal was to get a condo. And once I conquered that goal, then like any good business owner, I set a new goal to get, you know, a nicer house. But I, I could have just easily blown through that money. I could have went and rented a luxury apartment. I could have went and rented a Mercedes car. And I could have just been living paycheck to paycheck still. Well, and I think that's the thing for people. And I preach this all the time. Like, you got to eat it like a shit sandwich, basically. And I think of it like, just like fitness. I'd rather do it up front than have to do it later. So if I'm going to drive a, a shitty Honda and I'm going to fly in, you know, Southwest seat C68, you know, like all the shitty things you have to do when you're broke, I'd rather do it in my 20s and like even early 30s if I have to. So the rest of my life I can do things. And it's to your point too, like if I didn't buy my first place, I couldn't have got my house. I couldn't have bought this. Like none of those things would have added up. And I guess that's the, the question. If you, if somebody's like sitting on the sideline, um, maybe they have cash and they, they want to buy or they're waiting, like every scenario is going to be different. But like, what do you say to someone? Maybe they're, you know, they got, they make a hundred thousand bucks a year. They got 50,000 bucks to put on a property. Like, and they're just sitting right now. Cause I've listened to that. I think Dave Ramsey's a great guy. I don't like everything he says, but like the principles for people who are broke, I get a lot of it, but he's fucking on there a month ago being like, this is the best time to buy a house. And I'm like, bro, you said that two months ago, you're so full of shit. Now he has a real estate part of his business. So I understand he doesn't want to screw those guys. But if you, if I bought the house, when you told me now it's, it would have went down 200 K I could have got a better deal. So like, you know, what, do you say to people who are just sitting there right now? Like, do you buy something or do you wait? It's tough, right? I personally would probably wait, you know, six, 12 months. And you kind of, for me, I'd probably wait till the correction kind of, you know, prices stop getting slashed, you know, don't be in a hurry. But at the end of the day, like Ken was saying, you know, rates will probably be higher and your payment might be the same. So if you can afford the payment easily, then maybe now, you know, you could buy now. Right. Um, but the worst thing that you could do is just never do it at all, you know? Yeah. So if you, so if you have, and if you don't have the 50 grand, now's a great time to save money because we're going to see price fluctuations in the next, you so know, I just months. did a video called pencils down. It was Literally. actually called pencils down, bro. It was comma bro. <laughs> I like, yeah, I like that. So, you know, and the, you know, which is very different because a lot of guys in my space are still, they have funds, they're raising money, they're out doing shit. Now, now I have a, acquisition guys and analysts and we look at every every single week uh in our on our investment committee we're still looking at deals and so um what i mean by that is there's a lot of uncertainty right expenses are up property taxes are up utilities are up labor's up cost of materials are up cap rates are up and i don't know how deep we want to go into that you can and break down. I mean, we get some. Up. Yeah, explain anything you want yep. on here. It'll help you. It'll help sure. these guys because they. I'm not telling you guys have to learn everything, but some of the shit like you should. Okay. You should so, know. So in my world, you know, everything's based on around cap rates, and what all the cap rate is 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 it's a net operating income, which is income minus expenses, and the the cost. So it's the inverse relationship, or that you divide one into the other, and that determines a cap rate. So when interest rates go up, now your cash flow goes down, right? Yep. So, so like if you're buying like this gym, you you're you're gonna pay let's say six percent, and a year ago it was three. So your payment is higher, 
So therefore, your cash flow is less because what's not really going up that that uh, is income and exp and expenses. You know, you're getting squeezed on both sides because so, income hasn't moved nearly correct. enough. Right, but the debt has. Right. Yeah. So cash flow is down. So so investors are looking at cash flow as as you should. So if if you invest a hundred grand and you get ten grand back, that's ten percent. So if if debt goes up and now that now you're at six grand back or or seven grand back, now you're at six or seven percent. So so people are making decisions now uh, on cash flow, and they should. And so what's what's happening is there's a big difference between bid and ask between seller and buyer. So the seller is still holding on. You know they're still looking in the rearview mirror, right? Because their neighbor got yep whatever. That's right. And I think that's what they're going to get. You got it. And the buyer is looking out the you know the windshield, right? So it's an interesting time. And so, but the seller is at a massive disadvantage right now. Massive. Well, because a lot of people will say the and again, when I and this is what I would I would tell anybody who if you watch a documentary on Netflix about. Meat is going to kill you. Meat's the worst thing in the world. Well, who made the documentary? Some vegan yeah. company, typically, which is fine. I'm not telling you what to eat. But that's the way I think when I see a realtor be like, well, you know, you can just buy the house today and you can just refi it. I'm like, well, when the fuck can they do that? Dave like, Ramsey. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, I, like, and that's like, and, and Dave, like, I, dude, I, he's helped me so much with so many basic things. And like Heather, my wife, will send it to me. And I'm like, this is horseshit. Because if you buy it today... And it's six percent. Well, you can just refi it. When in two years? But is that payment today going to choke you out in the two years? And you're like sitting there stressed and panicked because you paid X amount of dollars. And then, I guess psychologically, if you buy a place today for eight hundred thousand, and then you see it a year from now for six eighty, you'd be like, "Well, I got fucked." Thanks a lot, Dave. You know, <laughs> isn't that how you'd feel? That's right. Yeah, I think. I mean, I, I, like I said before, like you know, you're not gonna miss. A correction like people have this like FOMO. like it happens in a day yeah like like if i don't buy this house now it just went down 50 grand i'm gonna miss out but to your point they get emotion maybe you will miss out on that house like you can't get emotionally attached to that house there's going to be another house that you fall in love with too right yeah. but it might be you know fifty thousand dollars less in a year from now right and that's something that ken taught me because I, when I initially was buying, was an emotional buyer. Now I just realize, you know, I'm looking at houses now. I'm just on the sidelines waiting. Maybe I get them. Maybe I don't. You know, you can't be emotionally attached to it. And that's what realtors try to do. They try to, you know, you could see yourself here. There's a dog park next door. Da, da, da. So you're just getting emotionally attached. Well, it changes your state. Like your physiology changes. And then it's weird how people buy, though. Like if you watch, <clears throat> what is it, like House Hunters or whatever. People will go in and maybe they just do this for TV, but like, oh, the paint sucks and the appliances suck. And I'm like, who gives a shit? Like you can, that doesn't mean anything. You can replace those instantly, but the actual structure of the property, the things that people focus on sometimes that sell them on homes is really weird to me. So I have a good story. So, <laughs> so when I was buying my first, not my condo, but my first home, you know, yeah. that I was going to move into. So I, you know, my budget, you know, believe it or not, Scottsdale. Uh, it was around 200 grand, right? For what, a small home. What, home. what year is this? 2017. No shit. Yeah. So, and oh, we're talking a small home, like tough, two bed, man. two bed. So, so, so Ken, um, you where, know, the we, fuck, where the fuck are these places? We, well, we, were, <laughs> we were, we were dating at the time, right? And, and there was, 
okay, to be honest, there was no houses in my price point at 200 grand. No they kidding. were about no 250. Yeah. All right. And I was like, oh shit, I can't afford that. Right. Yeah. So anyways, uh, so Ken goes to me, he goes, there's no houses in your price point because he couldn't believe it. Right. And I said, there's this one that's 230, which was, you know, kind of in my price point yeah. on Zillow. I go, but there's no, there's like a couple shitty iPhone pictures and like, I'm, you know, whatever. I don't want to go see that one. He goes, no, we have to go see it. That's the one we want to go see. And I'm like, really? He's like, yeah. So we get there. And this realtor's like the the girl's uncle. She inherited the house from her dad. She's in Texas. They have two tenants living there who are getting a steal on rent. They don't want anyone to rent the place. So they left dogs in the unit. Like to, when we went to go see it, there was two dogs in there. There was drugs all over the table, like pot. Like, you know what yeah. I mean? And I walk in and we're not saying anything. And I'm used to the new. I'm used to the pristine. My parents always built new houses. There's nasty carpet. There's dog pee, like the whole nine, right? Yeah. So I'm sitting there like, oh, my God, this was such a waste of time. I'm not going to say it in front of Ken. He obviously is not interested in this home. So we go out back after we looked at it, and he goes, you need to make a full price offer right now. And this, and I, on this, on this drug-infested, piss-filled house. On this dump, okay? Yeah. And I'm like... Uh, well, you know. we, we grew up very differently. And, <laughs> Let's just put so, it that way. So <laughs> I, I go, um, I'm like frozen, right? He goes, you have 10 days. You know, we're going to get the roof checked. Da, da, da. You can rescind your offer, right? I was like, okay. So I, you know, do this deal, right? And and here I am, 230 grand for a two-bedroom, two-bath house in Scottsdale, okay? With what, a yard and a garage. garage. No and shit. So, yeah. And so I'm like, oh, my God. Da, da. And so... They check it out. The bones are good, to your point. There's no leaks. There's no anything, right? Put about 30 grand into it of work, right? Like redid the flooring. Looks amazing. Looks brand new, right? And he had told me at the time, there was another house in that same neighborhood for sale for 230. He was, you really should buy two. And I really should have bought two because now it's worth about 550, you know, in a few years. And it rents for 20, almost 2,800 a month. Yeah. You know, and my, you know, and to, to the point, though, that you were saying is like, you can't, if you want the new and the pristine, then you're going to pay for that, you know, but the bones just have to be good. You got to be willing to see, well, it's because our neighbors did that. Like they had, I don't know who owned it or maybe the person died. I feel bad. Uh, but it was a piece of shit. Like his, my neighbor's backyard was like, he had a refrigerator back there. He had a fucking <laughs> weight bench. He had a truck, like a little truck. It's crazy. And it was just the biggest piece of shit. Like, I'm super chill. Like, I didn't grow up with anything nice. So, I'm like, I can deal with most things. And then he would have, like, just shit, like, in his front yard. I would, like, you can actually do an email form or you can call the city of Scottsdale and they can make him pick that shit up. I called on him, like, ten times. So, they would pick it up. Anyways, um, he's out. They completely redid the place. It looks like the most – and I'm like, the guy who's doing it now, he's like, yeah, we'll probably charge, like, four grand a month for rent to be here. But it looked like the biggest piece of shit. And I told Heather, I'm like, I would buy this. Mm-hmm. If someone is dumb enough to think this is not worth, I mean, even as a piece of shit, five, six hundred thousand bucks. Because it's all about the location, right? Yeah. And the bones, the bones of the property and the location. Like my location was good, right? You don't want to buy that place that's out in the middle of nowhere that nobody wants to live. But if you can find a good location or they didn't take good care of the place, then, and something else Ken taught me is that you worry about the deductions later. So what I would have wanted to do is, hey, I'll give you, you know, two twenty, but I want a ten thousand dollar credit because I'm gonna have to, you know, do all this stuff, right? And funnily enough, on the same day we made the offer for the two thirty, 
another guy made the offer for 230 but he put stipulations in his offer right and he wanted a new roof and he wanted all this stuff so they accepted our offer well what did we do in the 10 days after we had the inspector we demanded a new roof and we demanded all the things that he demanded but we waited for them to accept our offer First. before we start making all those demands because that's why they picked our offer over his so i call this forced equity and this is actually what a lot of people just don't pay attention to so I want to be able to force equity by just taking something that's managed shitty or, you know, in a poor location. So think of a vacant building um, on a corner, a really nice corner, and it's worth less than if a tenant is in it. Yeah. So tie it up, put a tenant in it before you close, and now it's worth more. So that's called forced equity. So, so that's what I, you know, that is how, you know, for me, I have a cash flow strategy, but I also have a forced equity strategy on everything I do. So I want to make sure that I'm buying somebody else's problem and just and have a strategy around that. And, and as you get bigger and bigger and bigger in these deals, like we bought a 680 unit building in San Antonio, 50% vacant. You imagine 300 vacant units. And um, yeah. I bought it from the bank, Bank of America. I still own it today. Um, you know, the, the bank has a problem. They, they need guys like me or anybody listening to fix stuff. That's, they're, they're not real estate people. So this has going, that's where we're heading now. So if you can figure out the skills and have a little bit of education and fix somebody's problem, you know, and force your equity, you're going to kill it. So like if some, you offered on the property, like, hey, I'm going to pay you 230 and then you wait till the inspector comes through with all the stuff. You're like, hey, oh, by the way, all this shit's jacked up yeah like we need these things fixed you're gonna ask for it anyway yeah but you don't ask for it on the you know people make the mistake so what people don't realize and what i didn't realize um until i knew ken is you have 10 days and you can back out for whatever reason look. you want to you can say there's too many the, the cars are too noisy when they drive by i'm gonna rescind my offer right you just have to come up with earnest money then you get the earnest money back yeah. and you're and good. a property with two hundred thousand so, thousand bucks yeah. right so yeah. there, there's yeah. right i know so there's no there's no reason to if you want a place to not make the offer and then you have those 10 days and you want to get a really good inspector. People also make the mistake. They want to get the cheapest inspector. Oh, I found a guy for 300 bucks versus 700 bucks, right? You don't want that guy. You want the best inspector because you want the guy it's that comes very back. Thorough. It's very thorough. And even, even with the roof, like our guy said on that $230,000 house, this house needs a new roof. And they go, oh, no, 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 no. On our last inspector, because they had had another offer before that backed out, yeah. they said the roof was good. And we're like, well, you know what? Our... Uh, guy says it's shitty and it needs replaced, right? And now that's going to be on your, you know, moving forward, right? So they then have to fix the roof. So you don't want to get the cheapest inspector. You want to know you have those 10 days. And in those 10 days, you want to find somebody to really analyze the property. And that's when you ask for all your demands. The other thing is, I think it's important, is, you know, what we also did was I said, go get a line of credit against your condo because you now have equity in it. You don't have to draw on it. Just go apply for it. Just have it there as an asset for you if you ever need it. Because, all the, you know, it, 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 it only clicks if you pull the, pull the money. Yeah. So, so she did that first, which gave her the down payment for the next one. That's true. And that's important, you know. So it's that, like a HELOC, right? Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then what she did was the tenant pay, pays that off. It's a lot for people to chew on. Yeah. Right I know. Because if you get a shitty, I guess if you go back, if you get a shitty inspector, there's really no recourse on that dude. 
Right? Yeah. Well, and, I mean, not really. And I mean, a shitty inspector is going to say, everything looks great. So then you're like, great. And then, you know, you go in, you get nothing fixed. And then roof leaks or stuff shows up, you know, a couple of months later. Right. Yeah. And so you really, you really have to focus on that part. And you really have to focus on the 10 day part because you have 10 days. Like people get nervous to pull the trigger because they think if I, you know, offer money for this house, I'm locked in. It's over. You know, no, you have 10 days and you need to make those 10 days count. You think like your realtor would tell you. Oh, so, they don't know shit. No, no, you know what? A lot of times, no, no, listen. A lot of times what realtors <coughs> do, and this is key. I would never use a home inspector that your realtor tells you. That your listing realtor that especially. You're, right, that your listing realtor. Because it's in their best interest yeah. for them to find no issues so that to, you close. Yeah. They don't want you to find issues. Oh, hey, it's the roof and blah, blah, blah. I don't want the house, right? Yeah. And so they find you a great inspector that finds nothing wrong with the property, right? Because they're trying to make money. Yeah, they want to sell the house. Yeah. You know, like not every realtor's <laughs> like this, but I'd say most of them. They just, they're salespeople. They want to close. They don't give a shit if you get a bad roof. Like, what do they care? They just made their money and now they're on to the next one. You think like if they're like your friends or something, you'd be all right. You never want to have your <laughs> friends as realtor. You know, I have, we have a funny story about this. So I've bought four properties. Yeah. Three of them have been related and I've gotten a steal. The uncle I was telling you about of the girl that was in Texas that I got the house for 230 Yeah. Totally undervalued. We just bought a property uh, in 2020, and it, the guy's wife was the listing agent, and she fucked up and said there was a new roof, and there wasn't. So we got a whole new roof deducted. And then, um, what was the last one? Uh, there was, anyways, there was one more story. And uh, oh, the, the house I bought over in, in 2020 as well, uh, the, got, the parent's son was the realtor, and I got a total steal on it. Brilliant. So whenever you yep. put your friend or family member as a realtor, go after those deals. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You want like a real, like someone who's done, like how, when you guys look at it, I guess, like, do you, do you guys buy your own shit or do you have people help you know? No, we have a realtor, Elisa. She's great. She's been on our show, but she's an investor, right? So she yeah. looks at everything through an investor lens. That's important too, by the way, because she's looking at it very differently. A lot of people, I, I say that realtors work for tips, you know, that's essentially, what, yeah, it, that's really all it is. It's a tip. And, um, you know, so when somebody looks at like she has Airbnbs and she has invested, <clears throat> she has investment properties. So, you know, and I, I uh, my whole team's that way. Right. You, my attorney, my CPA, they all think that way. They always are looking at like the investment side of things. And, but even though we trust her and she's great, we still question her, though. You know what I mean? Like just because you think somebody's great doesn't mean if they say it's a good deal, you should just buy it, you know? Yeah. And so even though, you know, we trust her and she's amazing, we still think for ourselves, do the research for ourselves and decide ourselves if it's a good deal or not. Now, it does matter. Like, well, again, like how we, we bought our properties is people actually had made it the same, like, I guess the same offers as us or similar and they just didn't go through. And that's how I ended up here. And the weird thing is, is actually I looked at a place just down the street from here. Um, I'm not going to say the guy's name on here. You know him. He was an asshole. Um, so it didn't, I didn't do it. Now he's super nice to me. Go figure. But I remember like our broker at the time, Josh is like, hey, man, this is not for you. Like he talked me out of it. When if I, and if you run the numbers, he would have made way more money if I bought that versus this. That's a good broker. Yeah, which is really rare because I'm like, I'm doing the math. And I'm like, I'm telling my buddy Mike, I'm like, Mike, he just fucked himself out of like way more money but he was like you know and again i'm not buying 10 million dollar buildings and i think that's what he's used to so he's like fuck it let me just help him out but it was cool to see where he's like this is not for you this is a better option for you and it worked out for me well and, and, and he's playing the long game yeah. he, he knows that you're gonna be loyal to him forever oh yeah and that's the point call me another shit yeah yeah, yeah and that is the point. <clears throat> but there's bad realtors you know like mm -hmm. on my first condo 
that I bought. I just hired a realtor. I don't even remember how I found her. Probably Googled her or something. Oh, and my my first dude was terrible. Yeah. Well, right, right, right. <laughs> yeah. So so she shows me this place, and she was super nice. But I wanted this townhome, and honestly, it was a way better deal than what I ended up buying. Right. And I didn't know. I just liked it. I wanted it. So she goes, okay, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I told them, you know, they're gonna accept your offer, you know, whatever, right? Like they'll get it back to you. Well, of course, they didn't get back to me till the next day, and they accepted another offer. And I said to her, and, and they wouldn't even let me counter. Like, it was way above mine because it was way underpriced. This is 2016. Yeah. And I said, um, hey, like, I thought you said that they, you know, we're going to take that offer. She goes, yeah, like, that was really crappy that they didn't do that. You know, it's, like, really against our policies. You know, and it was like, <laughs> so now, you know, I, on, on, I hired another realtor for uh, the condo I bought in 2020. And they accepted my offer. But then there was like a flood going on in Texas where they were at and they couldn't get me the paperwork back signed. And, you know, my realtor's calling me like, hey, just so you know, like they're going to get it to you, you know, tomorrow because their electric's out. And it was late. It was like seven o'clock at night. So I said, fine, you know, I want it tomorrow. So tomorrow morning comes and goes. I said, yeah, you know, they're still like, I go, tell them that if I don't have it by five o'clock and it was probably like 1 p.m. at the point deals off the table. Like I'm done. Deals yeah. off the table. And so sure enough, I got it at five. But what they were doing is they're trying to fish for a better offer and they're trying to find ways. But then when we had Alicia on this Yucca deal that we did in Scottsdale, you know, she goes, I need an answer by five o'clock. And if I don't have an f- answer by five o'clock, deals off the table. And that's the kind of realtor that you want. That's why your realtor matters, right? Because our realtor now, it's like, she means business. She knows the rope. We She's not going to get pushed four around. four hours. Give yeah. the seller four hours to make a decision. Yeah. And if you don't, the deal's off the table, right? So For we, everything you do? No, no, no. Just on but this that one. Deal. Yeah. But I'm just saying she knows to do that because of all my other realtors in the past, they have this almost like realtor to realtor thing. Like I rub your back, you rub mine. I don't want to be too pushy because I don't want this other realtor to not like me. Like there's all this weird posturing that goes on. Well, I've heard the stories of like that bullshit stuff where it's like, hey, they'll know, like you'll tell your realtor, I'm willing to pay x and then they'll say tell that to the other realtor and so they kind of like meet yeah. in the middle on this bullshit stuff you know what i'm saying yeah like and that's pretty fucking awful right actually but they know like well hey we'll get the deal done quicker we don't got to go back and forth we're just going to do our shit so they're kind of working against both parties in yeah. essence absolutely they can be that that's why you know there's a couple things one if you're doing what they call dual agency and you're using the listing agent as your selling agent there's a conflict of interest, I believe. You want you want your own person negotiating against the other one. And you want, uh, in my opinion, you want arm's length between those two. And you just need a realtor, too, that means business. Like, they're not soft, right? They're going to tell, like, it's funny because our realtor, Alicia, she's so soft-spoken and sweet and nice, but she means business. Like, she's been doing it a long time. Yeah. So she's had clients lose that on those deals like I lost out on, right? And it's not, so now she just puts it to them, gives them deadlines. And you have to make sure, you know, if somebody is giving you a hard time about the acceptance of your offer, like, oh, we'll get it to you tomorrow. And just know they're shopping. They're waiting yeah. for that better offer because they don't give a shit about you. Well, it's because the barrier for entry of real estate is like, well, it's like fitness, basically. Like anybody can like do it. Yep. And it's, I talk about this on here all the time. We go places and, and we'll meet people and they're like, oh, what are you doing? And I'm like, I don't even want to fucking tell you what I do. <laughs> Your personal trainer. Because I'm like, uh, it's, you know, because then it's always like, well, my cousin Bobby does that. And I'm like, well, yeah. Saving real estate. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, but it's, again, like, and I use the, the example of food. Like, 
Bobby Flay's a chef, and so is a guy at Waffle House. Like, they're not the same. Like, there's levels. And, and I guess the point is, in real estate, there are huge levels to it because the, the barrier for entry is so easy to do. Arizona has a fucking million realtors. And to use somebody that's like your cousin or your brother because you want to help them out, I go, this is, for most people, the most expensive transaction you will ever do in your life. So to fuck around with that seems really dumb to me. But if you're the buyer and you find somebody that's using their brother, cousin, son, daughter, whatever, just know that that's how I've gotten three out of my four deals at good prices. That's crazy. Um, if I ask this too, just because I'm on the top of my head, all these stuff like the last like probably year or two, like was like BlackRock mm-hmm. buying up like all this shit. That's yep. un- under what, a million? Or like 500,000. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, interesting. Yeah, it's they. Well, what happened was Wall Street came into residential real estate pretty heavy in the last 10 years. And it started after the 08 crash. They started buying up all that toxic debt from the banks. And why, why is that? Because like when I think about it now and I see it happening, and obviously I don't run a hedge fund worth billions of dollars. But if I'd be like, well, fuck, we should have been doing this years ago. Yeah. Like, why all of a sudden now they kind of just figured it out? Like, hey, we can turn everybody into renters forever and just stack money. Yeah, well, it's it's a they're still struggling with the management side of it. So, okay. yeah, so it's, you know, what they what they started doing. So when they bought all that toxic debt in 8, 9, 10, um, they, all these people started getting into, you imagine like buying 100 homes in, you know, Louisville and then trying to figure out how to, you know, manage those. Oh, yeah. So they were in all that stuff. So what they started doing is they started buying these big home builders, you know, and that's actually what they positioned lately. And so instead of doing the, and I, 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 there's probably different variations of this, but they're, they're um, now, they're in the, they're heavily in the, in the residential housing game now. And um, it's not really a cash flow deal. It's a, um, you know, the thing about managed money is, they want it back, you know? Yeah. So if I, cause I, I've done some stuff at that level and every time, you know, those agreements, they come out, you know, in three years, you know, and they're like, okay, like their, their internal rates of return, their returns go down if they, the longer they hold. So, so wall street is really a three to four year deal. And, um, so, you know, so you're going to start to see that stuff churn. And so they're just banking on, on, it's kind of like what Zillow and Open Door and all those guys did. That's all Wall Street money behind all that. Yeah. So um, they're just banking on next year being more. And, you know, capital gain strategy, going back to that capital gain strategy. So are those guys like, I mean, is the plan they're just going to hold those properties or they're going to get rid of them at some they point? They can't. Yeah, they yeah. So, and it, it, you know, it, it gets a lot of national news, but and, and it is disruptive to the market. Don't get me wrong. But as a percentage, we looked at this one time. It's like, two or three percent of the housing inventory or something it's like super low but but it, it's you know but they're buying you know existing inventory so it's kind of fucking with the you know existing inventory you know people trying to do deals but um yeah they they can't hold on so if they're going to hold into this next you know 24 month period they're going to lose money so they got to get rid of them yeah and like what about open door and those guys like they were just buying or what was it was Open Door the people who were just buying shit? Yeah, I think unseen? Open Door and Zillow too, Zillow, right? right? Yeah, they, you, well, if you look, they're uh, you know you can see what they bought it for and see what they sold it for. A lot, the, 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 some of it's they're hemorrhaging, and yeah. others they're making money. So I don't know what their net is, but they've definitely lost a bunch of money on a bunch of properties. Yeah, because I that was never a thing before, and all of a sudden you just saw it popping up like crazy. Where now 
hey, my house is on open door or like, and they have buildings around and shit. And I'm like, that seems, or they, and they were like buying stuff in the markets. I guess every market's different, like Phoenix, where now the properties are not nearly worth as much. Well, it's also conflict of interest. So it's, it's like, um, imagine if Steve Jobs could buy Apple stock and, uh, you know, and, and be the, the main buyer and push up the price. Yeah. So, you know, so it, it's interesting. Well, because weren't they bullshitting people on the what the yeah. home was worth, too? Right. right. Like, they were kind of putting that the home values were worth more to make people, you know, buy it. Or, yeah. You know. They set the market. Yeah. Yeah. It's not good. That's crazy. So, if somebody is trying to get in the game and, like, get into owning a home or maybe it's uh, rentals or they're trying to, like, move up in-house... Like what, what does that look like in the next two years? Just tell them to just chill. Yeah. So that's why I did the pencils down video. I really believe that it, you know, um, first of all, there's no better way. You have to do something in, in real estate. I think like you did, like we all did. Um, but your timing, you said you talked about timing. It's everything. This next two years, I believe is not the time. This next two years is to learn get educated and, and to save cash and, and then get ready for whatever that is. If you're on the investment side, you don't really need money. You actually don't need money. To, if you're buying something for investment, you don't need money. You just need other people's money. And so you, you need to be able to see how you do deals. That's what a fund is, a fund. Yeah. So when people are listening, they're like, what the fuck does this guy mean? My uncle's money? Like, they don't know. Yeah, so so here's the thing. Like, I know what you're saying. Yeah, so... You know, any all all money at Wall Street or pensions or four hundred one ks or whatever the hell you want to call it, it's all managed. So yeah. you're giving money to somebody, and then they're trying to figure out how to give it to somebody else. That's all it is. So and they're just giving you a percentage yeah. back on your money. Yeah, and the other thing that, that's interesting is like when you go to the bank and you put money in the bank, it's a it's a liability to the bank. It's an expense to the bank because they owe you interest. So they have to put it out again, right? So the whole game is get main streets money and, and lend it back out. So the, what the thing is, is when you start to see deals, um, any deal, you know, like, uh, I always tell people when, when you're, um, you know, like when you buy a new car, you know, let's say a white Toyota RAV, you know, you see, you see them all over the place. Yeah. So it's the same with real estate. Once you start to recognize like corners and office buildings that you convert to self storage or self storage or, or retail or office buildings or, you know, whatever it is, you know, condo projects, once you start to get into it, you start to see that yeah. just like you do a white Toyota. And so then when you do that, then you just go find the money. Like literally, like, you know, oh, this is a, this is a, you know, like I got guys that, you know, up on down McDowell that started buying up all those car dealerships when they all moved north, you know, and, you know, and we were involved in some of that too. Now they're all condos. Yeah. Dude, it's, have you been down McDowell? Oh yeah. For people who are not local, sorry. Have you been down McDowell? Like yeah. what the fuck? I know. There's like two dealerships left me. I know. I know. This is my point. So again, like, you know, if you're in the condo business or apartment business, like I am, of course. I'm like, yes, uh, when, a wall, when a Kmart goes out of business, I'm like, yes. Yeah. Okay, that's a great corner. How do I rip down the Kmart? So, again, you know, I know we're talking big numbers here, but the point is, is when you start getting in the game, like Daniil, <laughs> Daniil started setting, um, um, you know, alert, alarms on Zillow uh, as she would start to get in her geographical area. You know, she she started to look once she started getting in. Right. Like, I know my price point and what I want 
and where I can cash flow, right? Yeah. And so I have alerts set on that price point so that I can, you know, be alerted to every time a house falls into that price point. And then I look at it, I, you know, on Zillow, I see, you know, the rent and all that stuff. And, and you know, what Ken's saying is, you know, you don't need money. And I know a lot of us are like, okay, we're just like these <laughs> little guys. Like, you know, my friend has like thousand bucks in her account yeah, you know you need some money you need some money you know t- if you want to be your own individual property owner um but how much like when you buy like something like that because this is probably more applicable to people like how much do you need to make for it to be like this is worth it for me do you set a number i guess it depends on the property obviously well i'm more of a cash buyer right so like yeah. can you leverage his debt I have a little bit of debt. I like to pay stuff off. That's just how I am, right? I would probably... I'm I from would, the Midwest, I too. would 100% <laughs> be richer if I would have just put, you know, the 20% down or whatever, right? But I don't regret it because I have big cash flow once it's all paid off or you have a very small mortgage on it. Yeah. But I would say that for people... What a lot of people don't know is if it's your first time buying a house, you only really need to put down like 3 to 5%. I didn't know that. Like when I first saved my for my condo and I almost paid all cash, I had no idea. Like I could have bought that condo years before and just had a mortgage and just paid down the mortgage, right? Yeah. So I think that's important. And then if it's an investment property, it's usually closer to 20%. Oh, yeah, because the rules are different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the interest rates are different. The rules are different. Um, but for those without a house, I mean, you don't need that much money. In fact, I have a girl that works for me. She's 20. And I said, and when she was about 19, I'm like, you should buy a condo. Like, now's a good time. It was like, you know, 2019, right? And so... Before it took off. So her and her husband, she's married young, saved money. And all they needed to put down was $12,000 to buy a, I think, want to say $250,000 condo or something, right? And between the two of them, you know, six grand each between two people is pretty doable for most people. Get a second job, whatever. For sure. So they bought this condo. They're now condo owners. They're 21 now. And they have a a fixed payment. And they know they're not going to live in that condo forever, but they're going to turn it into a rental eventually. So think about that. 21 years old with a condo. And, you know, now she's so funny. She preaches to everybody she works with. You you just need to save like 12000 You know, it's more now, but probably $20,000, right? Yeah. And so, but that's my, that's what I'd say to people is if a 19-year-old that works part-time and is in school can buy a condo, you can buy a condo. You know what I mean? But what I was just trying to say, and I maybe didn't say it very well, most people don't know uh, they're, you know, they're, they're stock market people or turn their money over to financial planners and they don't really understand how investing works. No. And so, so when you find something, <clears throat> when you find something and it makes sense, you know, I always say, you know, uh, the bigger the brochure, the worse the deal, because most deals are just back a napkin. Oh yeah. Like, you know, they're high level fundamental stuff that those kinds of deals make sense to you, to me, to everyone. And, and, you know, you might not have your network uh, immediately, but if you see something and, it, and it, you know, and it, it could potentially work and you have the team around it, the money will come. Yeah. Well, it's just, I know for a lot of people, they're like, well, this seems crazy. I go, but to your point, like it is right. I guess if you're trying to get into something like this is the first thing you're ever going to buy, you just got to figure out like what your, I guess, you know, go to black is right. Like, okay, if, if I need to, if this is better than me renting essentially like if i can afford the payment i can get into it because i don't even know what rents in scott's i got a kid here he pays like i think he rents his kind of like 25 2600 bucks a month like Expensive. dude mm-hmm. i never had a fucking mortgage payment that high that's crazy yeah. yeah and i'm like i go you're 
So, in a, again, I'm from this other era. So, I'm going <laughs> to, it'll never go away, though. Because imagine, like, the first condo you bought and what you paid and what you paid in rent and you and you. And it's like, I feel like that was like a hundred fucking years ago, but it wasn't. But no. 2015, I was paying 650 bucks for a one bedroom in Scottsdale. That was 2015. Seven years ago. Only now, seven that years. was, that was low. I probably should have been paying 850, right? But still. But still. Yeah, still. And so. What's the cheapest place you could live here now? Oh God, I don't even know. 1500 yeah, bucks. Probably I mean, 15. 15. For a one bedroom. Minimum. I and mean, that's minimum. like, what is that really like a $300,000 house or something like give or take? I mean, right. Really? You, you have to solve, like, you know, we always say, like, you have to solve to your payment, right? So if you're trying to buy something, figure out about the price that you want to pay. Like, what, you know, look at the house you want. How much is it, right? And then what do you need to save? And then just figure it out. Like, there's way, you know, there's driving for Uber. There's, you know, there's a, there's Rover. There's a zillion ways to make extra money, right? Yeah. And so just do it. Make extra money because, to your point, working hard now is going to pay off later. We're in the – this next era, good point. You're going to have to get into the side hustle business, right? It, you know, your your wages are not going to keep up, period. So, Like, where uh, do you see that going? Uh, I I think, you know, I think inflation's killing people. <clears throat> uh, you know, it's funny. We uh, – I'll diverge here for a minute. There's a 17-year-old kid that I called a year ago. That, uh, I didn't know he was 17, but he was detailing cars, right? Yeah. I just called him. You found him on Google. Found him on Google. He showed up. I'm like, who are you? He's like, I'm in high school. He brought his <laughs> high school friends, and they're, and they're detailing the cars at my house. So um, fast forward one year later, um, he's like, I'm in the rental car business now. He's 18. And I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, well, I, I got one car on Turo. He goes, a year ago, now I have 13. I go, you have 13 cars that you're doing in Toro? No shit. I go, how much are you making? He's 18. And, and he said, well, my payment on my M5 is, or M4 is uh, $800 a month, and I'm, I'm netting, I'm, I'm doing about two, two grand on just that one car. So I'm doing about 1200 on that one car. And, and I'm like trying to calculate all this. I'm like, where are you storing these? All? You know, all that, what is the insurance? He's storing them at his parents' yeah, house, yeah. by the way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, the, my point is, this is obviously a kid that's got hustle, and I love this kid. And, yeah. and, and, and he's starting to figure stuff out. I really believe that we're heading into that next stage because, you know, I have 300 employees. I know what they're getting squeezed. They're telling me they're getting squeezed on rent, on, um, um, on uh, gas, on food. And, you know, and we had to, we, I just did two months ago these big pay increases for, for just to keep people because yeah. I love them all. And, you know, so I'm like, Jesus, it's a big number, too. And, and, you know, and so I think this is we're heading into a time where you have to have multiple streams of income. You have to have multiple buckets of money uh, to, to just to survive. I guess I've, I've always I mean, at least since I've been doing this life, which is basically my entire adult life now, like I would feel terrible if I just went to like a job and they just got one check yep. from one person. And people will say, well, Jeremy, I could never do like run my own business. I go, you got to understand, dude, I would have to get fired by like 5,000 people today to make zero dollars in like 10 different companies. If you work for Enterprise or Wells Fargo and they tell you to fuck off today, there's zero money coming in. That would scare the shit out of me. I'd yep. much rather like be in the driver's seat. People think it's safe, that safe, secure job. I think it's the most risky 
there 100%. is. 100%. Because you're, you, you know, your employer is, uh, you know, you're, you're only going to get what your employer can get and only if the employer is doing well. Yeah. And, and um, you know, and you're starting to see these pensions and, you know, people are fucking up these pensions and the, they're running out of money. They're investing these people's money, um, you know, story after story after story after working their whole lives, you know, that, that this money isn't there. It, it to me it's the 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 most risky thing and and you, I, I, you know I've always had multiple buckets of money too as well not just real estate you know we have lots of different businesses do you do anything in the market no no zero yeah I don't I'm you're the second a... you're the second person to come in here and say that no yeah and I got one other guy all he does is uh Apple is all he owns outside of that and he's got a shit ton of money yeah too. I would probably do like Apple maybe Amazon or something but you do like nothing that, but, I mean you don't need to but like it's so weird to hear that. Yeah, and foreign I, to me. Well, so I, 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 when I sit down with my financial advisor, it doesn't make sense. They, they can't explain why, why I would, like, because the return and what you couldn't get the returns won't be big enough. Right, and not to mention the tax piece. So you know, for me, I'm at this point in my life, I'm trying to save. Um, I'm trying to keep as much as I earn. So you know, tax is everyone's biggest expense. Period. You know, you work till May. If you think about it, you they're, work mi they're mine for sure. Yeah. April to May just to pay tax. I mean, you think about it. That's 30%. It's the only number that 40%. comes on my phone that I have anxiety yeah. when I see yeah. Chris Rutowski, yeah. CPA. So, so uh, you know, once you start to, um, you know, realize that how can you, how can you save on tax? Yeah. Then you, I have a friend that's all he focus. He's like obsessive. So he's like in the in these energy deals and oil and gas deals and ATM and he's got some real estate. He's like, Kenny, I'm just trying to like get as much depreciation and, and, and be able to offset ordinary income that I'm making over here. Um, you know, and he's in the Amish, he's in the Amish community and he's got a like a big, big, very cool manufacturing plant. And so they make all this ordinary income over there. And so he's putting it in other things to try to offset the ordinary income. Jesus. So once you, once you start to learn the, you know, there's a lot of ways so that the, I would never read the tax code, but it's, you know, there's um, it, it is a roadmap. It tells you like, even though, so I just find guys that do, but it tells you what to do. Like, it's like a, it like says, go here, go there. You know, oh, yeah. if you do this, then you'll be able to offset this. That's what, it, that's how I see it. And even for me, you know, um, I understand real estate, right? And like, I don't understand the market. Like, I can't really. Do you have any money in the market? Mm -mm. Zero. None. You never did. Uh, I had a, a little <clears throat> bit at one point and I pulled it all out and put it in real estate. No shit. Because I can understand it and I can control it, right? Every like, financial advisor who's ever come on here is just cringing right now. Right? I know. Because that's how they make money. I know. Yeah. And, 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 I, and I've met with them, but I don't understand it. And they can't really explain it. You know what I mean? Like they can yeah. do projections of the last 10 years and then with the next 10 years and, you know, all of that, right? But I can control and understand my real estate. And, you know, as a woman, you know, trying to be financially independent, I want to understand what I'm doing. So now I know, okay, I can make, you know, $1,500 a month on this property, right? Like I can wrap my head around that. And then if it's like, say rents change and I have to lower it and I make 1300, right? Like I know my monthly income that comes in and it's going to come in forever. So that's kind of my retirement plan is how much money can I passively make and live on and that's kind of where I see myself, you know, how I see myself retiring. 
Well, and again, you could always, if your brain change, you can dump the properties. You have the money. You can invest yep. it. They can pay your returns. It, it works both ways. It does. So if you change your mind, you can do it. I mean, that all makes sense. Yeah, and I, I but I just, I like understanding. Because if I'm going to have to live on this money, I want to understand how much money I'm going to be living on and how many properties I need to sustain my lifestyle. Well, in the way you do it, the swings aren't as big, right? Like how, because you understand, hey, here's how much money I, I can make, I need to make, I want to make, and you're not you know, leverage so high where if it is the market, for example, like there'll be times like, Hey, Jeremy, you lost 22%. I'm like, it's a big fucking number, dude. I didn't care when I had 10 grand. Now I kind of give a shit. Yeah. And so right. it's like, if you begin, I'm not going to retire for a hundred years. So I'm like, I'll, the money's just there. It's there, but you do take big swings. Yeah. And I just like being able to just have the property control the, pro you know, I, I just like the control and the thing. understanding yeah. and, you know, and, and I, I harp on the woman thing because I feel like a lot of women just kind of hope they're going to marry somebody that can take care of them. Or maybe they are married and their husband takes care of everything. Like I want to Scottsdale yeah, no. weird, <laughs> right? Weird. So I, I think it's good, you know, to have your own thing and to be aware of how much money you're bringing in and what you're going to do one day if you have to be on your own. I want to think to your point to understand it like yeah. where oh it's it's crypto okay good luck dude like i don't understand half the shit but and even the market sometimes i'm like this seems like it's all made up i mean it's mm -hmm. not like if you believe in american airlines gonna make more money over time blah blah blah. like i get all that shit but it is like it changes because the fed will make a comment and now the market goes down so i just lost eighty thousand bucks because this guy said one thing i go that seems like bullshit mm -hmm. but like a hard asset i mean because i'm older like it makes sense to me well, I, and I know, I know that it moves with inflation, right? So, you know, my rents, you know, in 30 or 40 years when <coughs> I retire, it's going to be a lot more than I'm making <coughs> now, but it's going to move with the inflation. So I kind of have a decent grip around like how many rentals I need and how much income I need to bring in to live on. I think if people, if they understood their financial, you know, financial freedom is if you're, let's say your monthly burn rate is five grand. That's a goal that you should just work at. How can I generate five grand in passive income? Passive income means businesses or investments that kick off monthly cash that don't require, you know, like your, time for money. Yes. Right. So that's what Daniil did. And that's what I did. That's how I started. So at, at that time, mine was like three grand. And so I was like, OK, how can I, you know. Uh, and so for, for me, it was buying six condo projects or six, you know, and, and then just having the $3,000. And then once I got to that point, now my monthly was covered. And then that you're basically financially free at that point. And yep. I, do, I do the same thing with my business. So how do I generate revenue to cover all the monthly overhead of my business and, uh, you know, reoccurring revenue? And so that's why I bought these buildings. Now I pay myself a management fee. You know, yeah. so I'm the general partner and the own the management company. Yep. And the management fees cover my overhead, so I don't have to do any deals or anything. So, so my head is always at how do I cover my monthly period, and then and then from there, once you once you know you learn a lot, and then you're like shit, I just did that, and I can you know I can scale this even more. Yeah, like you know, say your burn rate's eight grand a month, right? Like I want to make eight grand a month so that I can just live, right? Yeah. So if you get you know seven rentals, you know, over time and they kick off eight grand a month total, then you're fine. You don't really need to work. You could retire tomorrow and just live on that. Right. doesn't mean you're going to or want to, but that's your goal. And then it, now, you know, and as rent moves with inflation, 
you know, say now you make 10 grand a month and, you know, five years from now. Well, inflation's went up too. So it's probably about the same amount of money. And so that's all you really need to do. And you never have to sell them. Like it, to me, it just takes away that anxiety of like, will I have enough to retire? Will I have enough to live on? But the bigger issue is, is um, now you can do what you want. That's yeah. actually to me, you know, a lot of people I think feel in jail where they're working or, you know, they feel kind of, uh, you know, like they fucking the, hate it. Yeah. Yeah. So when you get to that point and it, it does require strategy and discipline, um, then now you're like, okay, you know, I want to go do this. And I am, I know hundreds of people have done this. They've moved abroad. They've done whatever they wanted to next. Once they got that base down, once they had their burn rate down and then, you know, your whole world opens up and all of a sudden you can literally get out of that. And I, I, you know, that, that stress and anxiety over that paycheck, I think is the biggest risk people have. Well, and I, we talk about that too, like Heather and I now, and I, I love the gym and it's great and I bought it to do fitness, but at some point maybe I will hate it or it just won't be, you know, it, who knows, like life, things change. But if I wanted to say, Hey, I'm done doing this today. Let me just rent it out to this guy who wants to do a bike shop and he's got to pay me what, I don't know, seven grand a month, yep. eight grand a month. Yep. So I'm going to sit my ass at home this guy's gonna write me a check for eight thousand bucks, and I'm gonna pay my taxes and insurance, which is like two dollars really, and I'm just making money. Yep. And he can break stuff in here, I guess, but it's not, not really. No, it's not that. Yeah. So it's like, if I didn't have that, I would feel way different than I do today. Like it's like, okay, this is a thing, and I have all, I own all my other shit. I'm like, it feels like I'm in a good place, and I would wish that for everybody else. But it takes, I guess, from my story anyway too. I had to have shittier personal things in order to obtain some of these things. Now I can go buy the cars and do the shit if I need to. I go, but I couldn't do that before I bought real assets. And sometimes if younger people are listening, you're living in an apartment that's way too fucking nice. You're driving a car that's way too fucking nice. That's going to hold you back from doing this, which will ultimately change your life forever. Yeah, you're going to work your shitty job forever. Which would suck. Yeah. But, you know, that's the that's the choice you have to make. Do you want all the nice shit and work your shitty job forever? Or are you going to cut back on that stuff, be practical, and then, you know. So if, if you're looking at people and it's, hey, this is the next two years. Because all I heard the last couple of years was, cash is trash. I'm like, yeah, bro, I fucking get it. I go, until the world eats shit. And then it's like the greatest thing ever. And But I was hearing that over time. And had, my wife's like, I go, just sit here, dude. I go, this is not real. Well, Ken was saying we put out a newsletter. Twenty twenty, cash is king. Yeah, yeah. But like, cash is going to be king. Well, especially when times are like not great, which they can't go up for. Like, I just kept saying that too, and I'll and I'll ask the question here, and I'll get you guys out of here in a minute. Like, there's no way my where I live, it should be a million fucking dollars or more to live (laughs) there. I go, I just can't. I go because who the fuck is buying that? Like a normal family who makes. $250,000 a year. They have good jobs. They have two kids. They have two cars, probably have loans on them. They probably have student loans. How are they making that payment? That couldn't be a thing. So I'm like, let me just not do dumb shit and I'll say my stuff and I'll see what opportunities come up. So if people are first time people trying to buy stuff, trying to buy a rental, trying to maybe change homes, say, Hey, the next two years, just kind of look at it and see what happens. Just wait. I mean, you know, you'll see, like, you'll see the market right now. The market's dipping, right? Like, follow a home you like. Follow a few homes you like, right, on Zillow. Like, put the little alert on. They're not going up. It'll tell you every time it goes down. Like, I was looking at one. It was six ninety nine. It's now five ninety nine, right? It's went down twice, fifty grand each time in the what past. You, what are you waiting for? Weeks. Like, how low? I'm waiting until it stops going down. Yeah. You know, I want to watch this house, you know, and it was funny because um, our realtor, like I initially said to her, like 550 was kind of my sweet spot. So it went down to 599 and she emailed me and she said, hey, I think we could like make an offer on your sweet spot now, like 550. 
I go, it went down $100,000 in six weeks. I'm not trying to buy it at 550 anymore. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, like now I don't know what my sweet spot is. I'm just waiting for things to start to level off. But once again, I'm not emotionally attached to this house. Somebody might just went down another 50 grand to 590, you know, to the 599. Somebody might go buy it and then I'll have to go follow a different house. I'm not, but I'm waiting for things to just settle because I don't want to buy at 599 and it go to 550, right? Yeah. So in like Ken said, we're probably in the second or third inning. So like who knows in a year from now, it might be four hundred thousand dollars you know so you know that might be extreme but it might be like i don't know i want to wait i'm not i'm not afraid i'm gonna miss out like you'll see when prices start like leveling off or even maybe just going up a little bit they'll be lower than today yes and that's the time to buy like once things stop leveling off and maybe even start going up a little bit that you know you don't try to time the market you don't try to sell at the top you don't try to buy at the bottom right you just and that's the trouble people got in in the last couple of years. Oh, I should list my house. I have, you know, $300,000 in equity, but it's still going up, but it's still going up. Well, now they're all listing it and now it's just drop, you know, because they got to the top, they saw it start to fall and, they're trying to and now they're the freaking train. out, right? Yeah. And, and so now, but if they would have sold it six months ago and not been greedy, they would have been fine, right? So you don't, you want to wait till it hits the bottom and then starts going back up. And then you can assure yourself you got a good deal. Because it probably doesn't start, going back up until i mean because they think about it, if the rate keeps going up the prices are going to have to keep going right. down. down so if i ask like do you think because we just lived through i mean i got friends who i got some friends who bought some nice places uh and the interest rate was you know two point fucking whatever yeah which is crazy super i'm super happy for them it's awesome i still wouldn't want the payment personally but i'm like that's me um but i'm a cheap ass so do you think it ever gets back to that low the rate? In your lifetime. It could, yeah. So Under uh, three. That's a good point, yeah. So a couple things. I, I also think most people, it's not hard to buy something and watch it go up and say, oh, my God, look how smart I am. Yeah. Uh, you know, you can make money when the market goes down. And they do it in stocks. You know, that's really when you, in my opinion, when, you know, that's where it really takes a little more education. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I do think that the well, we're in now we're in more of this consumption society, right? Like the we have to have low rates for people to consume, and so I think this is going to be a short-term issue where they're going to crash the real estate market, and there's going to be massive disruption over the next couple of years. That's why I that's why we put that uh, newsletter up almost two years ago and said, you know, start saving Save your, your money. Cash. I understand. In, inflation's at nine or whatever, and you know savings rates one. You know, but but if you really take a look at the bigger picture, you want to have cash for that next you know downturn. You know, and um, and so so I do think we're going to go through twenty four months of disruption. Yeah, and then um, I don't know if that's going to be the bottom, but you want to be in cash at that point. So just save, 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 save. That's yeah, and I think with the interest rate, you know, they're going to lower the interest rates because they're going to need to re-stimulate the real estate yes, market. Yes, right. And they're going. They're going. They're crashing it. But but this the, is yes. by they're, design. They're yes. crashing it, and but then when it's crashed enough, they're going to you know drop start to drop the interest rate. But the problem is through all of that pain, all the layoffs, all the people that can't you know all the inventory that's coming to the market, there might not be buyers just because you have lower rates right like if you just lost your job you can't just like work one month at a place and go buy a house you know what i mean and so and you know you have all that unemployment where you don't you know dwindles down your savings all that right so there's going to be less buyers at the end of 
this recession. And so they probably are going to lower the rates. And those that have the cash are going to be the ones that are able to take advantage of it. Yeah, and in 08, remember, it, it took years. It takes years. Yeah. Because you imagine, here's what a seller does. First, it's like, ah, oh, there's nothing wrong, right? And then they're like, then there's desperation. Then, you know, then there's all of a sudden, you know, trying to figure out how to keep it. Then there's the foreclosure process. Then there's, then the bank gets it. So that can take years. And then that's really when you want to uh, jump in. But you don't see it like it's not going to be like a foreclosure shit show. I don't think so this time around because the low rates. Well, you said it. You, you got friends that in the twos. They're not going to. They, they're locked. They're. I call it. They're. They haven't. They're trapped. They have trapped equity. Yeah. And there's not a damn thing they can do. Because what are you going to? I mean, you're going to sell it and do what? They can't do anything. No. The same house is going to cost them five, six grand more a month. Yeah, that's a, well. Too, so I'll tell the story. Like I won't put any names on it. We have some people here, and they bought a place. It's nice. I think their payments, it's like 10,000 square feet or something. The payment was like 16 grand a month or something. They said, but if we bought it today, it'd be like $31,000 a month. <laughs> and like, and this is like luxury problems. But like at 16, it's fine. Like they don't give a shit. They're like, but at 31, they're like, no, no, we can't do that, which is crazy. But to your point, like that's, that's what ridiculous. you're saying. But the thing is they can't move, right? Like they can't sell it and move because well, it's probably worth less than they bought it for. Yeah. Or it will be. And they'll have to wait it out. But then even then you're going to something smaller because like well i mean that's ridiculous right. anyway but yeah no to your point yeah it's definitely if you bought a place in the last what two years mm-hmm. yeah the big issue they have is if um if they're commissioned and you know they're making even a million a year in commission in the last few years you know as you know things have changed a lot if you're in the mortgage business title business real estate business so what do you say for those guys like a real estate agent a loan officer because we know loan officers were making yep Maybe the, the dudes who were crushing were doing like 40000 bucks a month. Now they're doing peanuts. There's guys who are doing four a month who haven't yep. closed a fucking loan all year. Yeah, so I own an office building, and our, more, our one of our biggest tenants is a mortgage building. Yeah. Our mortgage, and they, they just went down to, uh, from a massive floor plate down to 3,000 feet because they have no— It's basically the gym here. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's crazy, <laughs> yeah. right? Like, so I, I saw this before, and, you know, they're— Unless they have side hustle or something else going on, they, like to your point, you have to have, I think uh, you have to have at least eight cylinders going. If one goes down or two goes down or even four goes down, you still got you stuff. still got to have that cash coming in. So you think for probably it's not going to get great for them for a while? No, no, gosh, no. I think they're screwed for a long time. <laughs> they are. No, the, the, nobody's going to do cash out refis because they're There's those zero. are done. Well, that's where most of those guys are making money because everybody was fucking refining Correct, everything. Right. Yeah, and the Fed's not going to at least for the next year, you you know, I think you're going to see increases through this year until inflation goes down a little bit more. And then we'll see next year, you know. They have to have dry powder, they have to have cash. Otherwise, they're not going to be able to sustain. That's why I think 2023s, you know, as Buffett says, when the tide goes out, you see who's swimming naked, right? Yeah. And that's, I think, what we're going to see next year. Well, because I just, I think about that. I'm like, well, if people aren't doing that, how are those, like, Loan Depot and, like, all these huge fucking machines, like, if they're not doing loans, like, there's no way they can keep those people. And where do those people go? If they were making 150K a year, 200K a year, and now they're making yep. 60, like, and they have houses and they have cars. Like, fuck, dude. And that's the question. And those people, you know, they buy the boats and they buy the computer. You know, they buy all the stuff. So then those people, you know, it's just a it's just a domino effect, right? All the yeah. way down to the restaurants where people eat and everything else. So. Exotic cars, nice watches, all that stuff is already starting to come down. Because that was going crazy yep. during. It's all coming down. 
And when you saw that like happening, are you just like, what the oh, fuck? Oh, it's going to be awesome. Yeah. 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 I, you know, it's like, honestly, I think that's really what put me in the position I'm in in 08, 09. What I didn't have was the money. So that's why I went to Canada and figured it out. But, you know, we, you know, now it looks like, oh my God, you know, but we, now we've held those properties for what, 15 years. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's nuts how much equity we have in those. And, but, uh, the cash flow is what I really want. That's what I really want. Well, I think about that too. Like, again, I'm a young kid when I bought my first place and I remember sitting across from like the loan officer, uh, and she's go, this is the best thing you've ever done. Cause I, and everybody knows in here, I bought my first condo here for 52,000 fucking dollars. Like that's, mm-hmm. you can't buy a truck for that anymore. And I, and I thought about it at the time. And I remember when I'm buying it, most of the units are either foreclosed or short sales. And, yep. and most of the complex is empty, which was kind of crazy to see. But the same time I was doing it, there was another guy in there. I think he bought like six places, but he had all cash. So he's buying like studios and one bedrooms for like 30,000 bucks. Yep. And at the time I go, how does this guy have $200,000? This is fucking crazy. Like I'd never seen that kind of money. And I think back, I'm like, but if my life timed up to when that guy's dead, I'm like, fuck dude. Exactly. He just murdered and forever, whatever those are, it's like the Biltmore. So those condos are renting for two, three grand a month. And he just had five and in, I mean, that's insane. So that's just a wisdom issue, right? He, yeah. Guaranteed. He went through something prior to that where he figured it yeah, out. Yeah. So why would you do six, you know, if you hadn't had some kind of experience? Yeah. That's what we're talking about here. And, and that's what the last 10 years has not helped anybody because no. it's going to go up next year. Well, well, now we're going into, you know, you can have inflation and deflation at the same time. You know, my friend George Gammon says, you know, think of it as an air balloon, hot air balloon with a hole, you know, so you can have things that are going up and, and going down at the same time. And so, you know, that's what's going to happen now with real estate. And so you guys are just kind of chilling right now and looking at stuff. We're, we're really focusing on ops, our operations, yeah. uh, very much so. And, and, and we're, um, we're getting our cash together for the next, you know, meltdown, whatever it is. Yeah. And as a smaller, you know, investor, I'm getting my cash ready. And uh, I'm also, you know, talking to other people with cash, you know, to get their cash ready. Right. Because if you're going to buy, let's say, a, you know, $400,000 place, right, you need 20% down. If you, you know, if you're really young and you don't know people with any money, then that's one thing. But a lot of people have five, 10 grand. And if you know that once the end of the cycle is you could, you could cash flow that property. Like that's a way to think about it too, on like a smaller level. Like if it's like you and like your buddies or like you and like you and your parents or something. Yeah, exactly. Like if you know a f- couple of people that have, you know, 10 grand each or something, yeah. you know what I mean? Then 10 or 20 grand each, then yeah, you can go buy a place, which like I said, if you're really young, it's harder. But if you're middle aged, like you probably do know people that have or get some better friends. Yeah. 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 If you don't have any friends that have any money, then you need to probably yeah. get some better <laughs> friends. Well, because I think about it now, like if my mom came to me or my dad, anybody and like and said, hey, I want to do this. I'm like, OK, well, if you need 20,000 bucks, like, yeah, I'll fucking do well, it. Well, and you have to have a whole plan together, right? Like I'm going to buy this house. I need, you know, 20 grand from you, but it's going to cash flow, you know, 800 bucks a month. Right. Yeah. And there's like three of us or something, you know, and then you do the math and see if that's a good return on your money. That makes sense. And mm. obviously, like you're here, is there like certain markets you look at? Like, hey, this looks like it'll be oh, good. Yeah. There's certain markets that will suck. That's a great question. Really good question. So, yeah. So we, you know, just as a general rule, you, you know, what, there's a couple, there's a bunch of places to try to see where everything's heading. So 
One of them is uh, out-of-state driver's licenses. It doesn't seem like it's that significant, but when people move somewhere, they go get it. So you f we follow that. We follow North American van lines, U-Haul, rider trucks. You one, track all that shit? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you can see a data point is, you know, Seattle to Phoenix one way. That's pretty clear. Yeah. You know, um, so there's lots of stuff like that you can watch. And, and, you know, right now people are pouring out of Seattle, Portland, San Francisco specifically into Austin, Dallas, you know, Phoenix, Scottsdale. Nashville, yeah. Yeah, Nashville, right? Uh, uh, Raleigh, a uh, lot of Florida, you know. And, and so the, 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 the four biggest states are um, Texas, Arizona, North Carolina, and Florida. And Texas and Florida are number one and two, and, and Arizona's three. And so – I, w I watch all that shit because it, it that is it. I, I for me that's that gives me a greater degree of certainty on, you know. I know like you know how hard it is to get a restaurant uh, reservation here right now. Stupid. That's the result of people coming. It's not you know it's the same restaurant that was here two years ago. The, and I always tell people I go it's in August it's yeah, hard to get in place. I go. There was no one fucking here in August. We could walk in anywhere. Exactly. Like, yeah, dude. Now I'm like, I go three weeks. I'm like, what the hell, dude? So that's because of the people. That's as that's only a numbers issue. So yeah. so same. So imagine the same issue um, around medical and school system and apartments and yeah. you know. So it's putting pressure on all of those things, which is creating bubbles and all of those things. And so you know that's why you're going to see. Like she, uh, Danielle went to dinner the other night at um, I won't say which steakhouse, and it was the steak was one hundred fifty dollars. Yeah. Bro. For, yeah. For a, for a steak. steak. What the fuck? I know, right? Right. I'm like, she's like, oh my god, and the salad was twenty five or something. Yeah, salad so, with no protein, twenty five okay. bucks. So that's a result of demand. Yeah. And so, so it's the same with real estate. So that's how what we, you know, and we actually have a a, a whole bunch of other data points that we look at. Yeah. Um, when people get to a state, um, if they can't afford, um, uh, you know, um, the, you know, private school, then they look for the best school district. So yeah. then that becomes another data point. So it, it, that's one simple, very easy thing to do. Go to the best school district and go to where everybody's going and then just focus there. And, you know, and you're going to probably do pretty well. And obviously, some markets are going to eat it worse than others. Yeah, sure. yeah, and yeah. they already are, by the way. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's, there's certain markets. So one of the things I think that I see next, I grew up in Seattle, so I can pick on it. Um, and uh, Seattle, and I've done business in San Francisco and Portland. Those markets are fucked. So, really? Yeah. So you know, there. First of all, no one. It's there's a lot of crime. There's no one going there. So you yeah. think of all the coffee shops and all the bagel shops and all the little business has gone that, it's expensive that tax, well. the tax base you know is you know the sales tax all this stuff's gone so uh, and corporations are moving out of there so i think that um you know um those eventually would be good places to reinvest if they get cleaned up you know like giuliani did in new york years ago yeah something like that so that's something to watch uh, you know, because that infrastructure is amazing, the transportation, all that stuff. So I yeah. think that's on a on a big slide for a bit. So those ones are probably the worst. Oh, yeah. I, I believe so. I it, mean, because we have friends that, like, what well, they moved from Seattle to here, like, during yeah. the pandemic. Just because what they were paying in rent, I'm like, that seems fake to me. And it was like, oh, by the way, I can't get to my apartment because they built a fake city, like, 
down the street from right. me. I'm like, oh, okay. You know. In your expensive apartment. Yeah, which is fucked up. It is. I mean, I grew up there. I'm, you know, my family's still up there, and it's, you know, it's horrible to see, right? You can't even really go downtown. It's not very safe. Yeah, but well, it, it's it's where people want to live. Like, you just always have to think, are people, you know, moving there, or are they moving away from there? And then once within the city, you decide where are people wanting to live within there. And, I, and obviously, like, here, it's like, it looks completely different than it did three, four years yep. ago. Yeah, and you should even think that way. I tell people, you know, when you're buying your first place, you should look at it as a rental, right? Because you're probably not going to live there forever, even if you think you're going to live there forever. So base it on a rental. Like, is this going to rent? Are people going to want to live here? You know, like, even if it's your first home that you plan on staying in for the rest of your life, because you're probably not going to. And you said it earlier, and I, I agree with that. You want You want the cheapest house in a neighborhood. That's what I wanted. That's yeah. how I grew up. And that's what Daniil did. And, and, and then eventually, you know, like, like you know, it, it's going to all, it's going to get sucked up from, you know, the stuff that's higher priced. It's going to, it's going to, it's going to keep going. And the same thing, it's, you know, people that want to rent in that neighborhood, they're, they're, that's going to be the lowest cost option. That's a good spot to be in. Yeah. You never want to have the nicest house in your neighborhood, you know? Well, no. And I think if you're in a place where the location is good, over time, it's going to get nicer overall. Like where I live, when we bought it, I mean, to me, it was super nice, but I didn't grow up like my wife. And she's like, what the fuck? And I'm like, dude. <laughs> but she, but I give her the credit where she was like, you know what? This is super close. Like we're in old town. She's like, it is going to get nicer. And now it's like, other than the guy who bought his place, our neighbor's like 96. I think he bought his place for like 18,000 bucks, like a hundred years ago. <laughs> so he looks like a genius, right? But he's just like lived in it his whole life. No one has paid like less than we have. And over time, like people have redone their houses. They've remodeled them. That's become a thing. So it worked out for us. Yeah. And you have to think too, like, okay, my places are all in Scottsdale. They're all pretty close to old town, you know, that area. And I never have vacancy. The most vacancy knock on wood I've ever had is like two weeks. So if you're like, oh, but I got this really good deal in South Phoenix. and If it sits vacant for two months, you're paying that, you know. And how long, just I'm curious, like would you, could you go with it not being rented out? Like where it would start to like really bug the shit out of you? Probably about two months. Probably yeah. about a probably about a month, month and a half. Like, you know, and then I just adjust, I would just adjust the price, right? Because the one thing about rentals in a desirable place, you can absolutely rent them like somebody is going to want to live in scottsdale the thing's not going to just sit right it's just how much you want but it's make. how much you want to make right so if you're like you know what at 1900 i just can't seem to get this thing rented take it down to 1800 you're probably going to get it rented yeah and, and we do six months of uh reserves on mortgage payments on all our projects okay yeah that's just a self-impound you know i'm like the pandemic scared the hell out of me when when you know biden said hey you know you don't hey, got to pay rent. nobody's got to pay um, yeah, what the fuck did you think about that? I know. That? Oh, God. You have no idea, dude. I freaked out, right? I would imagine, yeah. First thing is how much cash do we have? How many, How much reserves do we have? And that was the time when both my partner Ross and I said, okay, we need to, you know, this could happen again. And so I hope it doesn't. But let's let, we, we made a decision uh, to, to, to have six months in the bank for each, each investment. I mean, that's probably a decent rule of thumb for most people. Yeah. Well, most people don't have any money, but. But most people. (laughs) By the way, you can work toward it. I mean, you know, we, it took us a year plus on most of them to get to that point. Yeah. But most people, you know, if you do a thorough check on your tenants, they're going to fucking pay their rent. Yeah. Like most people aren't pieces of shit. Like if they have good, because we do like credit and background. If you have a, you know, 700 and some credit score and 
you don't have any kind of like criminal background or whatever, the chance that overnight you're going to be like, you know what? I'm just going to be a piece of shit and not pay my rent ever is low. Because here's, here's what we had. We have 10,000 tenants. So we have here, we have, we put them into three buckets. Bucket one was, you know, people like us, it's just how fuck we're going to pay whatever next. Yeah. Right. You know, bucket two, we're impacted. We're going to work. You know, we, we need some help. We work with them. Bucket three, which was a small percentage, dark, right? So yeah. they're like, hey, we're not going to even, there's zero communication. So so that third bucket really is the, you know, it was a pretty small number. I want to say it was in the two to 300 range. That was it. On 10,000 units, that's not bad. That's crazy. Yeah. So because that was it. you're taking the, the chance, basically, how I understand it, like credit. My credit is good. If I don't do this, my credit is going to be shit. So you're assuming people right. aren't going to just trash their whole credit life to not pay rent on time. Right, exactly, right? And plus it's going to impact <clears throat> them if they want to move, right? Obviously <clears throat> that's going to show up on their credit report. Like, oh, hey, I didn't pay my last landlord the past year. Anyways, can I rent your place? Or can, you know? I, buy, can I buy a house? Or can I buy a house, right? <clears throat> and so, so for the most part, people were going to pay. Like, you know, and you work with them, right? Like I had people that had to pay me late and stuff like that, and that's fine. But, you know, they're going to pay you. I mean, and, and most of the time, if you vet your tenants properly, you're not going to have an issue. Well, and I think for most people, just a rule of thumb, like in life, like have an emergency fund, yep. like just built. Because the world is going to fuck you sometimes. Well, and you're going to have stuff break and you're going to have vacancy, right? You you can't just be like, oh, my place is just going to be rented all the time. You know, you're going to have vacancy. So you got to be able to pay a month or two at least if it's vacant. And again, because yours is in Scottsdale, so it's like... It will literally rent forever. It just is going to rent forever, you know, yeah. and, and, and literally, I mean, like I just had tenants move out. They gave me their notice like December 12th and I had the place rented within like a week and a half or a week or whatever. I know, you know? some of this, some of the states have like different like tenant laws, like where it's a bigger pain in the ass. <clears throat> yeah. We like tenant friendly states, right? Like yeah. Arizona's tenant friendly. <clears throat> like my friend in Washington, he was telling me, you know, he had to, he had didn't do a good check. You know, he has lower level apartment, right? Yeah. These people didn't pay rent. It took him a year to get them out. Then he had to pay their moving costs, right? We don't invest in states like that, you know? Mm, like in, no in Scottsdale, you know, you need to get somebody out. It's about 30 days-ish to get them out. <coughs> California and New York are the worst by a long shot. You know, you, you, you know if, if a tenant decides not to pay a landlord, it can be over 60 days in California you get them out. Meanwhile, the landlord is still paying all the expenses and all that shit, plus the legal to try to get them out. But I thought, like, in Washington, mm-hmm. that you have to pay for their moving costs to get them out of your mm-hmm. place when they haven't paid you in That's crazy. Yeah. But that's just the way it is there. There was a Netflix show where they, like, it's, like, Worst Roommates, I think it was called. Mm-hmm. And this guy, like, he, he failed the bar, but he was an attorney. I think it was in New York. Maybe, like, New York, Massachusetts. I know it was New York for sure, one of them. He would move around. He'd move into people's shit, but he knew all the laws. And they couldn't fucking get rid of them. Yep. So they do, right? And like, this is where you have to have your education and you can't be desperate, right? Like, yeah. like anybody's gonna, you know, you'll, when you, when your like rent's too high or something, you get all these people that have these swings of like, so the first time I go to rent my condo, I'm so excited. Like, I'm like walking down there. This guy's like, listen, you don't need to do a background check on me. I got, I got three months rent right here, you know, like no problem. So I literally go back to Ken. I go, 
this guy's great. He has three months rent. He gave me the check. Like, I feel totally comfortable with him. He goes, he goes. He's a fucking criminal. Hey, absolutely <laughs> not. You're not running him. So anyways, I had to That's call him. That's the only play. A criminal would only do that. <laughs> trust me. So I had to call him back and I said, listen, uh, I actually have to run the background check. And da-da. he's like all mad now, like nice guy modes off. Right. Yeah. He's like. I want my effing check back, like, da-da-da-da-da. Like, you know, I, I'm not going to allow you to run a background check on me. This is bullshit. You know, you know I'm good for it. I gave you three months' rent. And, and luckily, I mean, I hadn't had him sign anything or anything. So I gave him his <laughs> check back, whatever. But the point is, is, like, that's where people get in binds. And that's, like, our friends, like, friends of mine that have rented their place and they've had a bad experience, it's always that, right? Like, oh, I don't want to like pay 60 bucks to run a background check on them. Like they gave me a background check that they ran on themselves or, you oh, know, like dude. there's always like something. So you just have to follow the credit and background check and be really strict about it and just be, you know, you're, you're positioning yourself in a much better position. And all you got to do is say that you're going to do it. Like you don't even have to fucking do it. You say, and, and most of the time people will. Yeah. Though, but you should do it. You always should. I know, do it. I know. But what I'm saying <laughs> is, all you just gotta say, listen. You know, our standard. We're gonna run. We're gonna run your application. They're never. You know, and then they go dark. Then you know. Well, and you charge them a fee to run it, right? Yep. So yeah. you're like, you if know, sixty bucks to run it. Oh, but yeah. but it's, if they're gonna pay the money, most of the time it comes back. They're cool. Fine. But yeah, but it's just good to know. You know, if you're gonna get into this business, that you do it right. And I almost did it very wrong. And so that's why it's good to educate yourself. So like, where do you guys look at it? If it was, if we were sitting here in a year from like today, like, what do you think it looks like? Mm. Well, I think the rates that, are higher. Yeah. Oh yeah, I do. I think rates will be high. I think we could be in the eight, nine, possibly 10 range would be interesting. I think 10 would be pushing it. I think inflation is going to be somewhere between five and four. So I think the Fed is still going to be taking a look at what they're going to do next year. But I also think anybody, so I always say if you, if you have a defined exit, so defined exit mm-hmm. to me means you've used managed money like equity from, you know, whoever, or your loans maturing, um, you're in trouble. So, you know, and that's a lot of people, especially in the commercial space. So Yeah, because for people who don't understand, like a commercial loan is not the same as a right. residential. Yeah. It's not 30 years. Correct. Even if they tell you it's like, oh, here's your 20-year loan. That's bullshit. Yeah. It's not really 20. The payment's amortized over that long, but yeah. you're right. Every five, so, yeah. basically, it re-ups. So, you know, so you're going to start to see cracks in operations and, you know, what I call any defined exit. Um, you know, we, we looked at a deal uh, last week. uh the guys had bought this money with a big uh, group out of Austin and they were 50% occupied. Right. And I'm like, okay, you've had it for two years. The, yeah. mo- the money wants their money back clearly. And you guys are screwed. Right. And so they're trying to keep, you know, they're trying to sell it at market. I'm like, well, well why are you 50% vacant? Yeah. You know, so that, that kind of stuff is going to, it's starting to surface now. So I'm, I cannot wait. Yeah. And same for you. You're just chilling. Yeah, I think prices in a year are going to be lower, and it may be start to be the right time to buy. It may not. It's just it's it's really a lot of it's dependent on the Fed. I think you're going to have a lot more unemployment. Yep. Than you do right now. Starting, so I think it's starting going to be, like Q1. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's going to be very very different scope of how many buyers you have and how many sellers you have and prices. Because that affects everything, like people's autos they're turning in and shit when they can't make the car payment, and then the houses and shit, like it all kind of trickles. It kind of trickles down, you know, and then 
if people lose their jobs, the house that they could easily afford, they can no longer afford to make the payment and then they have to sell and, you know, and, and you feel bad for people and, but you also have to, you want to be on the right side of that coin. We always say too, like it, I feel like an asshole cause that's how I made like a lot of money is because like somebody did something stupid for me, but like, what am I supposed to do? Like, I can't go back and fix it. Like I can just be here and not make the same stupid mistakes and like buy a bunch of dumb shit. That's why I always say, especially on these big deals, you want to be the guy behind the guy. So like golf course development is a one really good example. Oh yeah. Got, you spent all the money on a golf course and you got all the residential lots. The real money in anything like that is in the res, is, is in the real estate. So if the market turns, you know, you've got this 20, $30 million golf course in the middle and all these extra lots. That's what you want to come in after that. Because all that money's washed out, yep. you know, and you're buying at pennies on the dollars. Those types of deals are all over the place, you know, during these, in the next two years, you'll start to see a lot of that. And for you, Danielle, like, you don't care if the rate's 10%. No. No. Because no. as long as it cash flows, right? You so know if, the numbers make sense. If the rate's 10% and I lock it in and it's cash flowing because now, you know, rents are still up, home, the home price is down. Yeah. My best bet is it cash flows now, but I can't wait until rates come down so I can refi, refi and then even make more. And then you crush, yeah. Yeah, but I'm not I'm not worried about the interest rate. Because you're not doing it to be a greedy asshole. I mean, really, right? Right, no. Because like Airbnb, and I'm not saying Airbnb people are that, but I'm like, you need a much bigger return to make that model make sense versus like what you're doing. Yeah, I'm just trying to solve to my monthly cash flow so that I can be financially free. And I know it's, it's a long game, right? I'm not, all this... Get rich quick and that's bullshit what I mean by stuff. That, yeah, yeah is bullshit, right? You have to do these small deals to then eventually, you know, be able to retire. And like all the flipping shit, what does that look like? Not good. Bad. Yeah, because, you know, you got to look at what flippers do. Well, a couple things. One, they use managed money. Yep. So, you know, it's high interest, hard money. It's got to be turned. Correct. Quick. Yeah. And, um, and they need a buyer. So the buyer is now facing the higher interest rates. Um, the labor, um, you know, that's been kind of weird, but, yeah. um, you know, and so, so I think that you know, at least in the, well, in the foreseeable future is done because prices are going down. So everything's banking on it going up. The people that are in trouble right now are the people that are stuck in a flip deal, right? Like we yeah. have friends and stuff that, you know, it's not quite done yet or now it's on the market and they're going to end up selling it for less than they bought it for. Yep. They have to write a check. We, we, I have a very good friend. I asked him to start posting this, and he's a big-time guy doing this. He's, he's based out of Seattle. So he's been posting on his Instagram. He, I, he lost 70 grand on one deal, 30 grand on another deal. I'm like, dude, you, you, you need to tell people, right? Like, yeah. this is not – and so he's been putting it out there. He said, you know, you know, I've been exiting, but also I'm losing money on these uh, – I think they're in Tacoma, Washington. And and um, I'm like, that's good. That's what you should be doing. That's going to help people. But you also gave him really good advice. You're like, just make one deep, fast cut and sell the place because yep. the market's not going up versus all these small cuts – that's a mistake you know. people make during these recessions. And, and I got this lesson years ago through, I'm in a group called YPO and my, my mentor at the time, he's like, make one cut deep. Instead Not, of like trying to, well, cause we get married to what we yeah. think stuff is worth. Well, yeah. Right. You have a property, like the property I'm looking at, right. For, you know, six ninety nine. that's yeah. now five ninety nine. You know, they keep cutting it, you know, 50 grand here, 50 grand there. Now the rates just went up again. So now the payment's going to be more. So they're going to have to cut it again, right? Where if, you know, three months ago when it got listed or two months ago, if they would have just cut it 
100 grand or 150 grand right then, it probably would have sold. But now the rates have went up twice since that's happened. Oh, yeah. So, you know, people are like, oh, it's going to get better. I'm kind of like on the sidelines. It's like, if you need to sell, like, if you don't need to sell and this is just extra bonus, whatever, don't. then don't. But if you need to sell a house because you already bought another one or you just lost your job, like, you need to price it as a clearance right now to get rid of it because home prices are not going to go up. Well, because, and I wonder that because, and I, I know too many people, so I can't say any names. There's people, too many people listen to this shit now. But like my neighbor's house, that's what they did. It was like, let's drop it 50 grand. Let's drop it 50 grand. And I think it was 50 and I think it was like 11 or something. And I'm like, well, dude, in that whole fucking time, your rate went from like 5% to like 6.5%. So the payment's now even more, even though the house is worth less. And is that like, that's probably like your realtor advising yep. you because that's their, that's their commission. Right. That's their commission. And, and also, you know, people give realtors and there are some smart ones. So if you are, I apologize, but they give them too much credit. Right. Yeah. Like most realtors, like you said, they're like young. They've they're never like, been through this. They're like this. fucking trainers, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Right. They're yeah. like, they're like, well, if you cut it 50 grand, that should do it. Well, maybe we'll just cut it another 11, you know, because they already told the people at 699, it was going to just fire sale. Right. Yeah. Like they already said that. So now they can't go back and be like, oh, you need to cut it a hundred grand. Right. Because they just told these people the price to list it at. So they're just doing all these little cuts and the Fed just keeps raising the rate and inventory keeps getting more and it's not going to get any better. So if you need to sell, you need to just clearance your house, you know, put it at a good price that you know it's going to move and, and get rid of it. Deal with it. And yeah. Something that you're hemorrhaging cash. <clears throat> you just want to get away from that hemorrhaging cash. And so when I sat down with my buddy, he, he came to me last year or no, no, middle, middle, summertime. I said, you know, we looked at everything. I said, these four deals, you know, he's like, yeah. I said, those are the ones you got to carve that out because everything else cash flowed and he had equity in them all. So I said, you, you, you know, you don't want to be in a situation where you're funding, right? No. And, and so that's why he did it. He wrote a check, got out of those because he's done, I want to say a thousand of these. So oh, this, shit. this is not something that. It's not a rookie. No, no, no. So. You know, I said, dude, you've made a lot of money in the last few years, you know, but cut out of these because this, the, this is where your problem is. And so those are the ones that he's been posting. But he's not a rookie, but he's a rookie on the down market. Right? Yeah. So that's like, oh, yeah. that's, you know, that's the thing. You could have been in the business 10 years and not seen a down market. So everybody that hasn't been in as long as Ken has never seen a down market or been through one. Well, that's every like kid who's under 30 years old, probably, right? Probably like, 30, 35. Have never lived through any of this. So right. they only know what they know like you might remember oh oh seven oh eight you were in eighth, eighth grade but even like i was 23 like i didn't have like you kind of said i didn't have two nickels to rub together so like i didn't give a shit if housing prices were falling you know i was yeah. renting right so i, was I think i was 25 yeah, yeah i think anyone that's like under probably 40 has never really like been in the position where they've been through it they've owned a house they've had friends that own houses and they've like watched it all correct yeah, I mean, because I mean, I think I had five, I think I had five thousand dollars. Right. Like, but you know, and yeah. the crazy thing because the world was so shitty, Obama like gave you money back if you bought a place, like a percentage of it they gave yeah. you back, and I did that to rip out the floors and replace them, <laughs> do whatever. It was like some weird thing. It was your yeah. first time home, and if you bought it, because no fucking homes were selling, because the whole world was eating shit. It was this really weird thing. I remember that. Yeah. I remember when Obama sent us 600 bucks. That was my highlight. I was like, like, 600 bucks? This is like over a week's worth of work. This is awesome. So that's also <laughs> coming, by the way. That's also coming. And that's why I'm saying like- They're like, sending more money. Oh, a thousand percent. No, you can't fucking do that. Oh, I know. Trust me. I don't bro, want to Bro, that's why everybody's like, oh, I got a thousand bucks. I go, bro, you're, it fucked you. I know. Like, did it not? It's coming. Yes. Dude, I'm there's telling no you, There's no way they coming. can do that. It is. I know. I, there's Dude. more stimmy money coming, I think. So what? Not yet, because right now that we have inflation and all this, but you know when 
when people start to lose their jobs and then we're, you know, in this period where like they want to re-stimulate the economy, you yeah. know, they're going to have to send but it But dude, out. you're going to like, what am I going to have to make a million dollars a year to fucking like live my life? Like you devalue this shit so much. Like, well, they, they're already, they're already testing UBI, you know, your universal basic income. They're already giving a thousand, fifteen hundred, uh, two people per month. Yeah. In certain states. Yep. yep. Well, and the Already, other thing, LA, California, they're doing it. Right the other now. thing that they're starting to do, like, our friend Mo, um, 40 year mortgages, starting to do 40 year mortgages, which like sounds amazing. Like, oh, a 40 year mortgage, that would like mean it could be amortized over a whole nother 10 years. Well, what does that do though? It's Everyone like, solves to the payment. So it's it like just financing a the... car for 84 months. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, it's like in your, whatever your house, and again, I guess you have to have a place to live, but like now you're paying for your $500,000 house. A million and a half bucks or more. Well, not just that, but now your five hundred thousand dollar house is six hundred thousand because the payment is the same on six hundred thousand over forty years as it is on five hundred thousand over thirty years, oh, and people just solved the monthly payment. Like most people, only solved the monthly payment. So, like, well, you, know. you do say that, and I think it's funny. Like, I ordered um, like one of the new Ford Broncos mm -hmm. two years ago. Um, still not here. Um, <laughs> so I always tell the story. Um, maybe it will come one year. Maybe I won't even want it anymore. Who gives a fuck? But I remember going in there. And I had built it, whatever. It was because my dad, my dad's the cheapest dude of all time. He's like, dude, you make all this money. Buy a nice car, you're going to fucking die one day. I'm like, okay, I guess I'll do it. So I go, and I get a Ford. So I go in, and that's what I, and I built it, and I get it. And he's like, okay, how do you want to pay? And I'm like, oh, I'm just going to pay cash, dude. I'm like, I don't do the loan shit. And he pulls it up, and I'm like, I go, is this really like what people would pay? Like when you build it, like on, first of all, the, the lease price is more expensive than the buy it price, which I didn't know that. And he's like, yeah, dude, there's people here that have car payments that are like 1500 bucks, 2000 bucks a month. I go, how the fuck does that work? He goes, well, now they can pay for the car way longer than they ever have before. He goes, what will happen is they'll actually drive the shit out of it. And then the car is almost like kind of worthless, but they need a new car. And we'll roll the old loan into the new fucking loan. I go, what? So as this depreciating asset just keeps getting yep. bigger and bigger and yep. bigger and go, that's like the 40 year mortgage to me. Like it's a crazy fucking thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it could be really good, you know, if you're, um, you know, able to cash flow something or, you know, do it like that. But yeah, if you're just. Dude, that's forever. Well, it keeps people in debt for life. Yeah. That's the problem with it. And then they roll the negative into the next one and they just calculate that into the next payment. <sighs> I it's can't believe good. they're going to print more money, dude. I think they are. Wow. I, well, I don't see it. When you've got this high unemployment and the savings rate is very low right now yeah you, it's really 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 gone down um i see those two things being bad right so you know and, and also we have affordability issues on rent all kinds of stuff so again that's why i don't really care who's in office it could be red blue doesn't matter you yeah. know blue what they're going to do is they're going to give the tenant or the landlord rent money that's it they're going to expand section eight that's yeah. section eight you know, whatever you want to call it yeah. red or red or assistance those are that's what's going to happen next in my world at least. So, you know the you know um, so it doesn't really matter to me. You know they're they're not going to they don't want homelessness. That's one of the biggest issues right now. Oh, dude, yeah. So so what they're going to do is they're going to give money to the either the landlords or the tenants. I mean, God, they're printing more money, man. I can't believe that's a thing. Yep, like just baffles me. Like here we are still. We don't learn anything. <laughs> I know. Some dumb shit, man. I don't know, man. Uh, I guess if you got like words of wisdom for people um, in the next like year or two, whether they're like first time home buyers or they're trying to do something different, just 
tell them to just like, really do their homework, I guess. Just be educated. Yeah, I say one step at a time, you know, and, and uh, I, I mean this sincerely. It, this is, we are heading into the best time. I mean, you know, the, the media and, and, you know, the news and all that stuff's going to be bad, but I mean it. Like, if, if you can disconnect a little bit and just see what's happening and watch it happening, um, you can really, really position yourself to be, come out of this incredibly well. It's a big opportunity. It is. Yeah. I, I, I've been waiting for this for five years. I really have. Like, you know, because, you know, I've been on the buying side. And, you know, I'm, you know, we went from a few buyers to five, then to 10, then to 20, then 30. So each project we bid on in the last three years have had 30, 40 offers, every one. So, you know, there's a the whole process. So the sellers have been in massive control. And so it's, it's time, you know, and, you know, and I'm managing other people's money too, right? You know, we're raising money to buy these things. So, yeah. so it is, it, it's, it is, it's, it's a necessary time for, they need to come down. When I think for people listening, like when everybody else is being like greedy and dumb, you probably shouldn't be. And then when the world starts to, and I hate to say it, but melt, like it's how I've taken advantage of kind of everything. When your yeah. friends start telling you you're stupid for buying something, you're probably really yeah. smart. That's right. And when the tar when the person from Target gives you a realtor card, you know that's the time to to, to jump. It's just weird, like because nothing like. And again, I'm not like a genius. I'm just a fitness dude. But I just watch behavior, and I talk. I get to doing this. You get to secondary education. I meet people like you, and I get all this like information. So it makes me feel semi smart. And so when I go out in the real world and I watch behavior and I go, it doesn't map to what, like how I feel. I go, if you go to fashion square, why the fuck are people like 40 deep in getting into Louis Vuitton? Like that doesn't make sense to me. There can't be that many super rich people buying $5,000 bags. And you're looking at all the cars on the road and you're seeing the prices people pay for homes. And I go, this just, not everybody can be making 500,000 bucks a year. It just can't be. But I feel like we've just lived through that for a couple of years and now it's going to kind of it, it, it's great. Uh, Robert and I went to the all NBA All-Star game, and we were in, in Vegas. And we went down in our hotel. We went in, and all the tables were $100, and they were packed and full. Then we went to the like, another – we walked to another casino, same thing. I go, let's just go down to Binion's and get a $5 thing of beer and throw some, you know, 5 and $10, <laughs> yeah. you, know, you know what I mean? But you're <laughs> right. Like, uh, and, and obviously we could afford it, but uh, – I, it blows my mind the amount of money that's that's flowing right now, and it doesn't make sense. It doesn't add up. So if you have some cash, maybe just keep stacking it until something comes about. And, and like I said, put some alerts on some homes that you're interested in, and then watch them come down, and don't get emotionally attached. Just watch them come down for over time, and then when it's, the prices start to level out, that's when you really want to start looking. Rents are going up, period. They are. There's, there's Forever. There's well, I don't know about that, but but there's people when people fall out of residential, they go into rentals. Yeah. So there's a lot of pressure on rentals, and I don't see that changing anytime soon. So at, from there, it's just math. So if the rent in your area is three grand, let's say, yeah, back into the number that you're, you know, that the value needs to be, and that's it. So you know, just work backwards. If you know that the income is three. Then, then you know what what kind of place can you afford at today's rates for that number? Yeah, and and that's that's it, right? That's yeah. all yeah, we do. Yeah, but also just be patient because it's just it's gonna adjust. Right, that's the one thing people feel like I'm gonna be left out, I'm gonna be left behind, I'm not gonna get a deal. I mean, I've just lived through that for the last two years. Like, oh, this is the only house here. I'm like, yeah, today, dude. 
I'm like, but not forever. Like, they're going to keep making houses. People will move. Yeah. Oh, yeah. People did the whole, <clears throat> it's never going to, you know, go down. It's only going to go up from here. And there's never going to be inventory. And, you know, but, it's just. But to, <clears throat> to think that, though, like, it would be like no one could ever buy a house again. Like, right. ever, ever. Right. Like, so no right. one if ever in time, like, oh, so you're telling me my house has to be a million and that's it. Yeah. Where, where's that pool of people? It's way too small. Like, right. things have to ebb and flow a little bit. They can't go up in perpetuity forever. Yeah, it's all going to even out. You just got to be patient and you got to really use your head. And it's really comes down to the math. Like it's not emotional. It's a math decision. Even if it's your own house, you know, you have to like it. But it really comes down to the math of the deal. Well, yeah, and like can you, and we always talk about it here, like is that you living there, does it make your life better or worse? And what I mean is like, yeah, could I live in a house that costs, you know, a couple million bucks? Surely I can. I go, but it's going to steal something from me at some point. Like yep. Heather showed me, a, and I think I said this the other day in here. She showed me a house. We're at dinner. Um, this house, she's like, this house is like, she goes, it's okay, but it should be this price. I think the payment was like 18 grand a month. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? I go, $18,000 a month. I would be on the verge of like jumping off a cliff every single day. <laughs> right. If that's, I go, it doesn't matter how awesome it is. If it has a sport court or a fucking bowling alley, I don't give a shit. But I'm looking at that and I'm like, there's a, that line is there for everybody. Where like maybe the payment's just squeezing you a little bit too much where it's taking away from your life as opposed to adding to it. And so that's where it's, I'm not emotional about properties. I could look at a million of them. I don't really give a shit about what it is. I go, if the math makes sense and I feel good about it, I'm going to do it. If I feel bad about it, I'm not going to do it. Right. That's really what it is. Exactly. And if that's your personal house or a rental, it's it's pretty much the same. Yeah. But things are going to come down. So just be patient. Take your time. (laughs) Take your time. Two years, you think? I do. This is this is a lot, you guys. This is good. I'm about to pee my pants too. Um, where can these guys uh, find you at? Because your YouTube stuff in is awesome. So just give me the full, and I'll put it all in the show notes too. Yeah, Ken McElroy YouTube channel is great. Uh, Ken McElroy official is our Instagram. So those are probably the two places. And uh, Real Estate Strategies podcast is our podcast. So those are probably the three best places. And you guys do what YouTube? Is it weekly? Oh, we do multiple YouTubes a week. We have a live on Monday at 11 Arizona time. Yeah. Um, where Ken and I answer questions. We have a whole conversation going from 11 to 12. And then we release videos on Wednesdays and Fridays. And then also the podcast drops every Wednesday. Yeah. And they're good. They're, um, because what do you do, long form and then cut them into short form or some of them just short form? The podcasts are all long form, but yep. on YouTube, we'll cut them into short form. And they're good. Like, I just mm-hmm. play them and listen to them. I learn a lot. So. Well, and we do. We teach a lot on real estate. We have different people from different angles, Airbnb, flippers, mortgage people. So you really could understand the full scope of real estate by listening. The other thing is we we brought on uh, two advisors, one legal, uh, uh, an attorney, and one uh, CPA. He's got 180 uh, uh, CPAs in his firm and they, they do four videos a month on different things. So it's just 100% education. I like that. And it's all stuff, you know, it might not be, well, I think fitness is sexy because obviously I do it. Um, and this stuff might not sound like it, I go, but it can change your life. If, if you don't, and again, I'm not that bright, but if you learn enough and you can just make some right choices, it can change the scope of what you can do. Like my wife and I can be more generous. We can do fun things. I can Correct. run a business that's really minimal stress for like what it really is because I own all my shit and I'm not a slave to someone else's rent, which, and I'll share this real quick before I go. Our old place, which you were at before I rented a warehouse for seven and a half years with no air conditioning in Scottsdale. Yeah, bro. I ate a shit sandwich real hard. Um, but I remember when we first started, I think our base rent was like 3,700 bucks a month. And by the time I left, it was over six grand. Now I don't know what it would be today, but like, as you're running a business, if you, if you don't own the place you're in, I'm like, you're, 
Correct. And what was I going to do? Like, if I built all this and it was someone else's, move the gym where? Yeah. Where the fuck am I going to take it? Like, the flooring, the lights, everything. So, it's... um. My point is, is that it's a, you guys put out a lot of really good shit. It's, it's easy stuff to learn, and it can change your life if you guys just are patient. And it's not out of the scope, you know? Like, I'm a, you know, when I first started doing this, I was a single woman. I started as a school teacher, like, making 30 grand a year. Like, you can do it, you know? And you can get that passive income, so you can, you know, I'm, you know, I'm pretty much financially free at this point in my life. You know, I'm 39, right? So, and I did it all in let's call it 10 years. It's so. a, it's a mindset shift. That's the thing you know, my dad was a, in construction. My mom was a hairdresser. You know, I didn't learn this from them and you know, I just didn't want to work for a paycheck my whole life. That was it. And so I just took a risk and, and it worked out. Yeah. Pretty well. Yeah. Hey, you're doing all right. Yeah. Uh, okay. I'll put all the stuff in the show notes. Thank you guys. This is awesome. Um, again, if you guys uh, are on Apple Podcasts, drop it a five star. Leave a comment. I'd appreciate it. If you're on Spotify, don't be a lazy ass. Drop it a five star there too. And uh, if you guys, the Jeremy Scott Fitness app info is all in the bio. A lot of you guys are in there. Thank you. I always appreciate everything. And then if you guys want a free sample of Athletic Greens or the Beam Dream CBD, all the other podcast sponsors are in the show notes. I'm not going to waste my time today because I'm going to pee my pants. So thank you, guys. This was awesome. Um, And, again, we'll be on later this week. But make sure you give these guys a follow. It's well worth it. You'll learn a lot. And hopefully um, you can change your financial life, maybe. So uh, until next time, you guys, eat well, train hard, be nice to people. And please keep doing shit you love with people you enjoy because your life is too short not to. I'll talk to you soon. Peace.